Hey, 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 hey. What's going on? Oh, not much. How you doing? Ah, doing okay. Uh, you know what? We got a lot of people up in here pretty quickly. So, um, I mean, for the sake of context, I just wanted to play the clip uh, really fast. So, I'm thinking um, I'm down to just play the clip and then just jump right into the first call first caller and then you know we can give our characterization uh, after that if you if that's okay with you, you <laughs> just to kind of yeah, keep sure. it moving no no okay no, cool. Well, okay cool so uh this is about um tiffany cross who she's uh, one of the more recent black talking heads on msnbc um one thing that's kind of interesting about her is I think it's not, it's been a while since they had two at once on MSNBC. Like, I think they had for most of the time a one person at a time rule. Maybe yeah, it was, they had yeah, it was a, Al it was Sharpton. A, a, one, one Negro at a time. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, 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 I think it was they, uh, they... Melissa, Melissa Harris Perry. Um, and then it was. Uh, uh, no, sorry. It Joy was, Reed. First was Al Sharpton. No, first it was Al Sharpton, then it was Melissa Yeah, I, 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 I was going to ask, did Al Sharpton and Melissa Harris-Perry ever overlap? I can't remember. I don't know that they did, but I know Al Sharpton was on there, but I'm pretty sure he was first. Then it was Melissa Harris-Perry, then it was Joy Reid. Now Tiffany Cross is on there, so good for that. Yeah, and, and Joy, and Joy Reid is still there, which is, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. The Democrats and like, well, really the whole, like, get... uh, the whole way that Joy Reid ended up as an MSNBC host was, was really foul. Like, you would have thought that... Uh, like for people that uh, talk about, you know, black people not snaking each other or playing crabs in a barrel, um, the way that uh, they they did Melissa Harris Perry really dirty, um, and basically like uh, she was she was being she was being given a whole lot of oversight as to how her show was conducted, and when she was like, hey, listen, like I'm not gonna have my show um, have a whole lot of like uh, executive oversight and nobody else's does, so I'm out of here. She, they basically like constructively dismissed her. Because um, her working conditions uh, were near intolerable, so when she exits, Joy Reid was like, "Okay, well, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> if she doesn't want this spot, I'll take it." And that's pretty much how that went. So you would have thought that, like, for uh, black people, especially like the uh, the blue check black liberals who talk about like not snaking each other, not being crabs in a barrel, that they might have said something about Joy Reid taking that spot so quickly. But no, she just got away with it. One thing about Joy Reid, right? To me is um i feel like she doesn't really have that broad a base even among um blue check back back liberals i think only the most um mainstream or climby of the blue check liberals black liberals really like her if that makes sense like um like like i don't feel like she's like for example someone like angela rye i think might have a little bit more of a black blue check base you know i feel like um joy reed is more like a black person that mostly white people really like and that white people think has more sway among um yeah yeah i mean none of these uh black blue checks really have a lot of purchase in in like black communities anyway but joy reed is like to me she's like, a, like a female don lemon almost yeah, that's a great point. That's exactly it. Like, none of the black blue checks have a big base among the rank and file, you know, grassroots black people. But I don't think Joy Reid even has a big base among the bougie black blue checks, really. You know what I mean? Like, like, like to me. Because I think Tiffany Cross might be 
more someone that you know they were hoping would be in that category because you know I, I feel like she seems a little bit more in the uh, bougie black circles but uh, anyway let's play let's play the clip it's um it's it's, it's one of the greatest hits they've they played it in 2016 it wasn't a huge hit then, despite a lot of airplay, but they brought it back in 2020. I think they brought it back in the um, midterm in 2018, too. With, uh, was that when that, um, what's his name, Kemp, was was running in 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 that state, that, that white guy that they were saying yeah, was yeah, so yeah. important? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it's the... Blame black men for um, Democrats not winning thing, you know, which takes the assumption that um, you know, the role of black people is to elect Democrats, uh, sort of moral obligation. And and he, here it goes. We're going to play it, and then we're going to go right to the... Rowan made a really uh, legitimate point here. Um, I will say, you know, a lot of black men sometimes feel like they're ignored or they're put down, particularly sometimes even by black women in the media. So this is not that. But I do hear Rowan's point that felt ignored. But you feel ignored and then you go over to the other side. The oppressed feel oppressed. So then you go and try to align with the oppressor. So I'm not putting black men down. But sometimes it's like, well, some of you Kevin Samuels following Tariq Nasheed quoting people, please look at the truth and see what's happening and get in line with some of the black women is majority, like he said, both Democrat, but that margin of people who can be plucked away from your people and go advance policies that harm your people. I just don't understand that. Yeah. And, um, still have to chew on there, but I will jump to, um, D. Hey, D, how's it going? Feel free. Hey, to can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Pretty good. Pretty, pretty well. How's it going? Hey, Trevor. Um, and Q, yeah, I mean, I'm someone who's probably, I'm not a blue check, but I'm definitely someone who votes for Democrats, but is not like necessarily someone who toes the line and all that. The thing that I don't get about this conversation that I've noticed is like, I don't understand the focus on just black men because any person who knows any basic political science knows that the men of an ethnicity, whether it's Latin Indian, Asian, white, black, are more conservative than the women of an ethnicity in terms of more likely to be Republican. So Latino men are more conservative than Latino women. White men are more conservative than white women. So I don't understand why they make it just a black men thing. And and, and it just kind of actually, it actually piggybacks in a weird way to um, the tweet I saw you have about the, um, what's her name, Abby Govedan. Hold up, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually push back on that just a little bit. I don't know that that's true. That uh, I don't know that that's true. That men of every ethnicity are more conservative than women because by uh, voting they are. No, not necessarily. Uh, As a matter of fact, like Jamel and Rennie post this quite often, and that's that uh, depending on what questions you ask black people, um, black men can end up being more progressive than black women on some matters. Like, for example, where it comes to, let's say, LGBTQ acceptance, where it comes to even when it comes to stuff like um, uh, women's pay in the workplace, it turns out that black men are actually more more progressive than black women on that front. So I wasn't talking about socially. I was talking about just in terms of like the men are voting. a little bit more Republican than the women of their group. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not necessarily true either, because in the uh, the Florida race, when uh, what's his name? Uh, dude that ended up getting caught like in a yeah, yeah, Andrew Gillum. Actually, more black men uh, voted for Andrew Gillum uh, for uh, for governor of Florida than black women did. So that's not that's not necessarily true.
Yeah. I I, I do want to say one thing. I, I don't think it's across the board true. And I also agree with you on the single issues thing. Like, I think um, a lot of times black men are as uh, socially progressive or more so um, than black women. But I do think even if it's by a few more, a few points, like even if it's a, a very marginal thing, I do think in general that men are more likely to vote um, Republican, even if it's by a hair, just because I just think men um, kind of think of politics in terms of, uh, you know, a bit more, I don't know how to put, I don't know how to, how to put it. Yeah, but, I feel like I feel like that's one of those truisms that doesn't necessarily bear out once you start parsing the data. Well, I'm talking about more. Is I it, guess I'm more so talk, talking about like if you look at the um, like presidential elections, like Florida, like it was like black men. It was like black men, 87 percent versus black women, 90 percent. So we're splitting hairs, really. But I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. even if I lend credence to that fact, I was just objecting to the fact that no one ever says. What's wrong with uh, Latino men? They're more conservative than Latino women. It's only a black men conversation. And I've just noticed that, um, you know, um, going back to Trevor's uh, tweet about the Abby Govedan thing, there's this thing where sometimes men of color are attacked in ways where it's like, you know, for being problematic in ways. And then there's just a complete pass given to um, by by the same people, whether they're men or women, to, uh, to uh, white men. Because it's like, even if 80% of black, even if 20% of black men voted for Trump, why isn't the critique about like other groups who vote for Trump in larger numbers? Why is it yeah, why is it not of like the, yeah, the majority of white men that vote for Trump or like, uh, you know, the uh, the 50% of white women that kind of sway one way or the other? But really, really what it is, like, it, I mean, the conversation really boils down to where it comes to other voting blocks. The question is, what is it that Democrats are going to do for them? But where it comes to black people and quite particularly black men, the question is, well, what is it that black men are going to do for Democrats? Exactly, 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 exactly. I agree. I just, I just, I've just always, yeah. And, and it may be, and I don't want to bash, you know, people who are particularly women of color, but I've just noticed it's like, you know, it's just like anything. The same person will be like, well, black men are patriarchal oppressors. And it's like, well, are you, and then you look and that person's like married, to, like ma- talks about dating white guys. And it's like, well, white guys are more so. Oh, so no, no. That's, I just that's feel, like, yeah. the, this view is, is undefeated. It's absolutely undefeated. Like, it's, it's actually very rare that you'll like go back and all you have to do is go search whatever person is like putting down black men that particular day for being patriarchal oppressors or being violent or being more conservative or being Republican or being homophobic or whatever, just go search white men or white boys and see what comes up. Exactly. That's why I thought Trevor's tweet about the Abby chick was so funny. Cause she was someone and someone actually pointed that out. I don't know if you got to see that Trevor. Someone actually pointed out that she like bragged about dating like mediocre white guys after like shitting on Indian men. So but that's all I had to say. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, T, you still yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was yeah, going to no, say that. She... Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, uh, oh, God. No, I'm going to keep it quiet. I'm going to keep it quiet. But uh, Oh, no. no <laughs> you can't tease it in a good one. No. Uh, there's, there's somebody. I'll put it this way. We got a man, we got a man on the inside. Uh, we got a man. Uh, we we got a white guy in the inside that will like throw himself on the grenade and go ahead and date these divestors of any of any like ethnicity, uh, and report back. 
<laughs> say, 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 this guy's gonna jump in the grenade. That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, I have my thoughts on on what this is about, and but we have so many callers. I'm trying to think if I should even start trying to parse it. But one thing I think is, I don't think they really, really expect. Stacey Abrams uh, to win. She's like Fetch in Mean Girls. Like, you know, like, stop trying to make Fetch happen. I, I mean, there's they've been trying to pretend that she's something for like a while. And I know people who are on the inside Georgia politics who, you know, said that, uh, you know, these are black people who are like, that stuff about the voter interference and voter fraud being why she lost was very exaggerated. Like, that, that she was kind of a dog of a candidate you know, no matter what, and that they really were pushing this voter fraud thing to kind of make people think that, you know, she was viable and was supposed to win, but it was um, a fraud. And they were saying this not to say that the calls of impropriety um, were totally unfounded, but that the idea that, you know, they reached a point where they made the huge difference. And I think we're kind of seeing that now because um, she's actually doing even worse this time. I think also because her public image has been like kind of horrible because I think she's really kind of shown herself to be someone who just kind of wants to be famous or an influencer and appearing on Star Trek and always like, you know, on shows. And she's she's very much like a mascot in a way that I think a lot of people didn't really fully grasp last time around. And I think she's actually like less popular. And I don't think this is really about her winning. I think this is... I think people like Tiffany Cross and the black pundit class, they're not so much doing this for her, but for themselves, because yeah. I think they feel their for, their fortunes rise and fall with how well she does. Because if they want to be presented as good sheepdogs who can sell to the Democrats that they can... Um, I always kind of joke that these people are like those fake witch doctors or whatever who would stand in front of you know, the waves in the in the ocean and wave their hands and act like they were bringing in the tide, but they were just moving their hands with, you know, how the tide was already going to go and act like they're doing something. I think they, um, they don't really have the power to really make black people vote, but I think they were kind of hoping Stacey Abrams would attract a lot of the black vote, especially in a place like Georgia where it has um, Atlanta in it, and that they could claim credit. And I think they're kind of bracing for failure by preemptively... I think they're more trying to preemptively set up their excuse so that they can't bl- be blamed than they are really seriously uh, expecting Stacey Abrams to win and thinking that this is going to work. I, like, like they know this type of scolding is not going to actually get black men out. I just think they want to introduce a narrative out there, you know, ahead of time so that when it fails, the seeds have already been planted. I think uh, here's the thing. I think that uh, this this kind of worked with Kamala Harris. And I'm not exactly sure why this uh, stuck. Well, actually, no, it wasn't Kamala Harris. It, was, it actually started with uh, with Hillary Clinton, but then they uh, they transplanted it to Stacey Abrams and to Kamala Harris, and and here we are now, which is that uh, there was the I don't know the marginal difference, and I I think Rennie had like crunched the numbers and found out that like for the percentage of black men uh, over black women um, that uh, voted for for Donald Trump in 2016. When he actually broke the numbers down, he found that in that poll, it turns out it was like a delta of like 71 men, like 71 more um, black men voted for Donald Trump than black women, according to the methodology of the poll. 
So he's like, so we're going to go ahead and create a narrative about uh, black men's voting patterns, their patriarchal behavior, their imitation of white male patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera, based on a delta of 71 guys and how they voted, not even knowing what it was that caused them to vote. I mean, all right. And then they tried to do the exact same thing with Kamala Harris during the, uh, the primaries in 2020. And then that got blown up when it turns out that more black men were actually supporting Kamala Harris than even black women were. As a matter of fact, Kamala Harris's largest voting bloc happened to be black men at that time. Um, that got completely like blown over. So Zerlina Maxwell and uh, uh, Terrell Starr managed to somehow float a narrative that black men were the ones that torpedoed Kamala Harris's candidacy. When in fact, what it was that torpedoed her candidacy was uh, Tulsi Gabbard exposing her on stage, saying that uh, you know she was more responsible for contributing to the school to prison pipeline and locking up black people than almost anybody on stage except for Joe Biden. So for some reason, they keep coming back with this narrative. And really all it is, is just to, uh, it's one of those things where it's like heads, we win tells you lose. So if uh, Stacey Abrams win, then it's like, well, it's the, uh, the power of uh, black women, listen to black women. But if Stacey, if Stacey Abrams loses, it's not because she's a bad candidate or because people don't like her or, or not attracted to her message. It's because black men brought her down. I think uh, a big thing is happening is that there is a contingent. And one thing that I um, always try to be clear about is that I don't think these people represent all uh, or even a majority of black women, but they are uh, black women with this portionate amount of uh, platforming. So they're able to make themselves seem like, um, you know, they're a majority. But I think that's why you're seeing so much on Twitter and YouTube this very strong uh, pushback of like black women against um, these type of professional um, spokespeople type of black women because um, they're kind of sick of them being like the face of all of all black women and you know claiming to speak for all of them. But uh, I think with a particular contingent of upwardly mobile uh, successful black women, there is this tendency to be people who want very much to kind of politically disaggregate black women into almost their own race or group, you know, almost like to not just be like the face of the black community, but, you know, to be the black community or to, or to be like their own kind of, um, and, and I think it goes as far as if you don't signal that you're with that program, there's a limit to how, how high you're even going to get. Like, I think you almost have to, at some point, make clear that you think this way if or you're going to hit some kind of ceiling uh and uh, so i think you can't even get to msnbc or higher politics unless you show at some juncture at some critical juncture that you think of black women as their own group apart um even from black children like forget black men but like you know oh yeah no no they're they're completely sweet generis basically like it's uh this this uh it's funny. It's like a woke recreation of the magical Negro. Like, remember back in the, uh, uh, like in the two thousands, you know, one of the uh, the biggest problems that black people had, as far as media representation was concerned, was this idea of a magical Negro, like a you know a black person who shows up and just like um, solves everybody's problems, but particularly white people. And now we we have this like narrative that that's exactly what black women exist to do is that is that they are the magical Negro. That uh, you know whatever problem that you have, just Hand it over to a black woman and they'll solve everything. I mean, I mean, the phrase "black girl magic." Black is, girl is magic, yeah, yeah, it's right baked in. Yeah, yeah, it's right baked in. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. I, I totally, I totally agree. So I think, you know, um, 
that's kind of what Tiffany Cross is kind of doing here is she wants to protect the brand of black women. And in a way, that's another reason why I think um, painting this narrative helps her. It's not really that she seriously expects this to get black men over, but kind of wants to give a subtle reminder to the white liberal powers that be and Democrats, hey, we're the ones that you need to give jobs and pander to. Remember that we're the black community that, you know, comes out and shows up for the Democrats. Uh, you know, they want to keep reinforcing to uh, white liberal and Democrats that uh, black men are not worthy, worthy investment. Uh, you know, and I kind of see it because I think black straight black men are like a hard sell to mainstream. You, you know, you know, what else kinda, you know, what's kind of, you know, what's kind of wild too, is that, uh, the fact that she brought up Tariq Nasheed and Kevin Samuels, like wh which among MSNBC's viewers were actually watching that and knew exactly what the reference was, like knew who Tariq Nasheed or Kevin Samuels was off rip. Yeah. And, and also Kevin Samuels never even talked politics. Like, I mean, first off, scratch the fact that he's dead and he can't even defend himself. And yeah. why are you dragging up, you know? And I think that was more for the black women, uh, uh, viewers, you know, to kind of give them a, well, well to kind of watch a show to give them kind of a, because uh, that was, that was just weird. Like Kevin Samuels did not talk politics at all. So that was just a really weird one. He didn't, he did not really seem to care about politics one way or the other. Uh, hey, hey, how's it going, uh, Carvey? What's up, guys? You know, you, 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 you and Trevor always complain that I call too late, so I have to come in early. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, speaking about uh, Tiffany Cross, so I got to be honest, I had no idea who Tiffany Cross was because I don't watch TV because I'd rather be in a car crash. Um, but so, uh, no, it's okay. We uh, we watch it so that you don't have to. Oh, thanks, man. You that's saved me like, so many. That's pretty much the name of the game around here. Like T, T has forced me to watch. I, I shit you not. Like as a matter of fact, I was uh, I was watching She Hulk. I think just to catch up because I know he's ahead of me. And he was uh, telling me this, like how much he's looking forward to the next episode of She-Hulk. Uh, yeah, oh, no, to so I'm totally. Like I'm, I'm like multitasking, watching it on my mobile phone. Okay, just, have like, you guys like, seen episode six? Oh my god, we're not going to talk about it right now. But yes, I've seen episode six. I would rather have stabbed myself in the eyes with a barbecue fork. Yeah, I, I'd rather watch uh, MSNBC than have seen that. Well, oh my god, well, no, I, like, I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. No, he's put me. He's Boo! Put me I'm currently putting myself through Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, because we got to talk about that too, um, as well as although like House of the Dragon, uh, I've only seen like two episodes and it hasn't been too bad so far, but like all of like all of the worst hits, I'm having to put myself through right now on this guy's account. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I don't know. I think the balance of scales is tighter than you're giving credit because I've started the Marvel shows. Uh, because of you in general. So there's been a very tight... But I was actually... I think, I think, but you know, you know I was, what I was ready to tap mm -hmm. out with She-Hulk, though. No, no. She-Hulk is actually the only one I've enjoyed watching because it's <laughs> so bad. It's so... I, I haven't liked any of them, but it's so bad. It's mystery science theater bad. Like, it's yeah. just hilariously bad. Like, um, I feel like there should be She-Hulk watch parties and people just get drunk and... And, and tear apart like like it's like blood sport watching she hulk like it's just so bad it, it, it's almost like bullying to, to it's like where do you even <laughs> yeah where do you even start with this i know so like but here's the other thing too is that uh when you when you uh told me what you wanted to talk about tonight i was like 
ah, crap, here we go. So I went and like I, I put myself through watching MSNBC for about three solid hours today. And to be perfectly oh. honest, dude, like I'm you must be a masochist. I'm I mean, it's in the right title of the show. Yeah, it's yeah. the name of the show. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I didn't even notice that. My mistake. <laughs> okay, so, but so, uh, yeah. getting back to the establishment. Um. So yeah, I did hear this uh, idea of blaming back black men, and I'd say in this race specifically for Stacey Abrams, it's obvious that like they've admitted that uh, they know that she's not going to win, and people like know a lot more about Stacey Abrams than they did um, four years ago. You know, they know that she sold out to Bloomberg. She's done everything to support Biden, you know, and that uh, she even uh, uh, voted to uh, support, um, sorry, to vo- voted to support increasing college tuition. And she's even nothing in favor of uh, uh, deregulating banks that she did when she was in the uh, uh, Georgia legislature. Um, but so, but I, I gotta say, so if I was a right winger and especially like a racist right winger, I could not have picked better uh, black anchors like uh, uh, Joy Reid or uh, Zerlina Maxwell because they are such a parody, you know, of of what, like, it it would mean to be, like, anti-establishment or, like, you know, or really be uh, opposing um, the establishment uh, as somebody in uh, news because they just parrot, like, whatever the establishment says and they just do identity politics all day long, like, specifically in terms of this new idea to blame black men. Um, the reason why they're trying to blame black men um, is because, you know, they, they feel that the establishment, you know, they feel that they're entitled to the votes of, uh, of black voters. And they can't blame black women because all they do is identity politics. So if they did blame black women, that would be in uh, uh, sexism in, in their um, game. I was, oh God, I've got like a, a voice in my ear. Um, somebody who's actually in the audience listening to us. That's like, uh, like literally texting me as we're talking. And the funny thing was like, I was about to say something that he has just said to me. And this is why we're friends because like, yeah, he practically completes my thoughts. And that is like, I think the reason that people like Joy Reid and Jelena Maxwell exist is to like, it's not actually for um, the benefit of like a liberal audience generally. It's actually just for like to convince BPD, like BPD cycling neurotic white women that they actually know what black people think because they don't actually have IRL black friends. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I I also think too, like they kind of realize they need to have some kind of performative gesture of inclusion to black people to keep black people from, you know, revolting at all or, you know, pushing back like they never want the 60s to the 70s again ever they never want oh no you know how you know again. you know how i you know how i knew where this was going was when i started seeing i literally started seeing um like people like uh vita get this every so often and when i see it it blows my mind but I, like it happens to people like um mo like uh she goes by thought scholar on twitter but i see this happen like semi-frequently which is where like black women on social media will um, see some white women say things that are just going way too far about black men, and they're like, whoa, 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 like, hey, yo, like, mind your business, stay in your lane. And also, this is not true because X, Y, and Z reasons. And then these white women will call them pickmies. Oh yeah, totally, totally, totally. But but uh, that overlaps with what I was gonna say, but it wasn't like fully what I was gonna say. Like I was gonna say more like um, they have to have some kind of gesture of inclusion to uh, black women, and I. Not to black people, 
you know, they can't just shut black people out altogether because I think that creates a little too much unity in the black community. And, you know, they never want the 60s and 70s to happen again. And I think they're like, okay, we have to have some kind of gesture of, um, it's almost like a, not a siphon, but like a pressure valve. You got to let some of that pressure out. And I think they, I think black men scare them too much. Like they don't want to let um, a big muscular field negro in the house as a butler, even if he's acting nice. Cause yeah. you mean like you Don know, Lemon? Oh, Don Lemon is like the same like, like, because like he's T, not going to T, see like imagine, T, imagine me on MSNBC. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, they, like, they, no, don't, they no, don't. It would not. Well, happen. you like uh, uh, Greenwald, so that'd never be allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but the thing is, like, here's the thing. Okay, I'll tell you exactly why they let a person like Don Lemon on, but like I would never get on. Like, look at Don Lemon for example, right? He has an argument with this uh, this British lady on uh, on on CNN. It wasn't even an argument. It was basically he got he got watched. Uh, he was talking about like um, you know the uh, British colonialism in reference to uh, the Queen's passing, and saying, well, you know, this is there's a reason why there's uh, many people who don't feel the same way that you do about the Queen passing. Uh, they don't feel that same sense of grieving because of British colonialism. And then this white lady turns around and tells him, well, you know, the, the Brits are the first people in the world to. Uh, Great Britain was the first nation to abolish slavery. If you know about William Wilberforce, and it's like. He, he let her talk right over him. And I'm sitting here watching this black dude have a white woman lecture him on the history of slavery, and he couldn't respond to it because he doesn't even know the history himself. Well, and he doesn't care. Like, it's, it's like, oh, I, I, I got my share now. Others can get theirs. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I, can't imagine, I, I can't believe that a black dude would raise the issue of British colonialism and slavery and then let a white woman take him to the cleaners on it, like take him to school. I'm saying there's a reason why there's people like that on mainstream television, but people like myself and T don't exist in those spaces because they know that they're going to get that pushback. Well, Don Lemon I mean, like, like yeah, when you, T, when you talk about like you know the uh, the big field, like you're what you're what six foot two, six foot three. I'm six foot three myself. Like we're like we're both uh, like fairly tall dudes. We don't really take shit from people, right? But like the the reason that um, like you'll never break through in those kinds of media circles is because they know exactly. Is, is there's, there's a there's a saying in Jamaican that goes "Dupy no who frighten," meaning yeah. that like yeah, is it, you know, uh, like uh, poltergeists know who to scare. It's like they'll bring the people on that they know are pliant and the ones that will like actually let themselves be lectured to by white people that way. But they will never bring people like us on. I I agree, I, but I was actually go something even more just kind of uh, psychosexual and maybe crass with it. Is I just think. Uh, Someone like Don Lemon is also, um, he's, he's older, he's gay, he has a, um, white husband. There's this kind of thing where... You can, you can say you it. Can, you can say it. He's a broken buck. You he, can say it. He's not a fox. He's not a fox that's going to be in the hen house eating, eating the chickens. Like, 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 Ime, Ime Udoka, what just happened with him is what they kind of fear. I think that's why Ime, Ime Udoka is going to be a very hot case. It, like, like. He's a straight black man who's an ex-athlete who's been let inside the highest levels of the organization, and he slept with a white executive's uh, white wife. Supposedly, they're 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 claiming like that's all of like um, white supremacy's most primal, you know, fears. And you know, this is kind of idea that you can in any conquering class, you can always absorb the women better. 
you know uh when when one army conquers another territory they uh kill the men but they take the women the women are part of the prize or something that you can absorb yeah. in but what do you do with uh straight men that, that you conquer there is always a danger the rebellion if you look at like movies like Battle yeah, no, for you, 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 slaughter, you slaughter you slaughter the uh, no you slaughter the men right you uh, you leave the women um you keep the women children sometimes you keep the young boys either as like uh, field help or eunuchs one of the two yeah exactly exactly so i i think white america kind of realizes like if we have to make some kind of gesture to accept black people um let's take let's take the women uh because the warrior class is going to be um too tough to um insinuate you don't want to bring them into into the house you know have a bunch of have a bunch of uh strong straight muscular men in the house who might either have sex with I mean I mean like the movie Mandingo I think is a good movie because it is um it shows a lot of like the fears of the white psyche you know and that you know um and and how that goes and and the the field the field negro has sex with the um master's wife and produces like a biracial baby and then he then he kills him and I think it's a very telling uh, part of the white the white id you know so I think that's that's the reason why it's much easier in the mind to let a um, homosexual black man or a black woman in. This is kind of sense they're they're not going to create the white genocide, the uh, type of fear that you know demographic demographics. You know that that's uh, from back to birth birth of a nation. Yeah. So, huh. well, speaking about anyway. Don Lemon, he seems like he's more interested in his makeup than uh, reality. Yeah. For sure, for sure. He's he's a strange one because every now and then he'll get occasionally kind of uh, woke or conscious and speak no, about something. No, it's like... no, it's a, no. I, I will because the thing is, my my first memory, like my first um, memory of Don Lemon speaking out on CNN, like okay, cut the shit, we got to do something about this, was when he was doing a pull up your pants segment on black men and saying that we need to like uh, get over you know historical. Oh, he went all Cosby and Obama. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he did that. That was back in, like, that was in the mid-2000s. Okay, I think oh, he once, oh, he asked, like, a good question on civil rights in, like, in one of the Trump-Clinton debates. That's, like, the only thing well, that I can remember him doing good at all. Well, well, that's what I mean. 90% of the time, he's what Q described, but then once in a while, he'll just talk to a guest about something, you know, kind of, like, you know, against systemic racism. It's like, okay, what happened this day that made him do that? And then he'll never do it again for, like, a year. Yeah. <laughs> a year. It's like, it's like a once-a-year thing that he'll do, and I just... That's, that's almost stranger to me than just someone just being... My, my theory, my pet theory... You know? No, my pet theory, because this is, like, a well-known thing, uh, is that, like, Don Lemon has a... He's got a, he's got a thing for, like, thuggish, ruggish black men, right? So, I, I feel oh, I like know this. those are the... Yeah, yeah, those are the days when his uh, his white partner lets him off the leash and just gets turned out by a black dude. But that one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I moved on from Karthik because I just saw how long the queue was, so I'm going to start moving it faster. But, uh, yeah, Karthik, that's the only reason you moved off. You're welcome to come back up uh, later. But, hey, Gio, how's it going? Hey, guys, what's up? So, like, what do you think, like, like I guess currently now, like they actually care about like white black white black men do in this election because like to like to the last like three weeks or so, right? Like black men, black, men, black men has been training on Twitter for like three weeks straight, like almost, which is kind of crazy to me. And I feel like there's currently pushback over like this whole like blaming black men for everything. Why? What do you think now that like, there's more pushback than like 
past like two years or so like 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 why, like like why, why do you think that why now uh, no i, I think why i now? think uh no i think uh, with everything that's been happening um it's, just, it's too many things at once right so like uh you know even though um covid measures are pretty much like being reduced down to zero people are still dying from covid right like people are getting like their fourth infection and getting completely like jacked up by it um you know there's like uh waves going through schools but also like interest rates being so high food and gas prices being so high because of the war in ukraine that we have nothing to do with but apparently we're supposed to be affected by it anyway um with you know jobs being like you know uh, like decent and stable jobs being so difficult to come by your money not going anywhere nearly as far as it used to uh you know like the american dream just being like pulled out from under people's feet so the idea that you can like you know um settle down have a family um buy a home raise your kids send them off to college and know that everything's going to be okay like all of these realities are just being like pulled back before people's eyes and i think like when you have all of that pressure on people um to try and just like hunker down and try to act normal in this completely abnormal world and then now you have the democrats who for the last two years have completely like screwed the pooch on fulfilling any kinds of promises to black people like the meager amounts of promises that they made during the campaign in the first place and now turning around and saying well it's your fault that we're going to get hosed in the midterms after two years of not giving people the stimulus that they promised um taking the uh, the promise on student loan relief from fifty thousand dollars down to ten thousand dollars and all of these are the broken promises and then turn around saying well if we lose it's your fault i think now people are just saying you know what like screw you you know we, we were we were rocking with you before we did what we were asked to and now we have to do even more i, I think people are just getting sick of it i i agree uh I will also add, but this is related. It's not even really a, a different point, but more like a different angle of the same point is uh, I think in general, people are just really kind of sick of this particular class of scold. Uh, I think there was a space and time where this type of um, lecturing, anti-racist um, black person was really kind of given the the keys to media and allowed to say and do whatever they want and there was a lot of grace afforded to them but i think um in like the black community there was a really watershed moment i mean there's a bunch of moments i think one particular watershed moment and because of the way time moves and it feels like forever ago so it's easy for us to forget but the ice cube thing I think really, really got a lot of people just finally sick of this class of people. Like, because there were a lot of people on the ground who thought what Ice Cube was saying made sense and he was articulate and whatever. And these people were just like rabid attack dogs just um, going at him. And there was that Fox Soul, uh, the end of you or anyone in the audience see that Fox Soul show where Claudio Jordan and Lisa Ray and yeah, all these people Yeah, I remember were... that. Yeah. And that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. We did a show or a video on it and a lot of people were really and something i think is very underrated and and geo you put this in the chat and i'm glad you did because i forgot to mention it but it's true uh, you mentioned that kevin samuel's audience his biggest audience was older black women which is so true and after he died a whole bunch of kevin samuel's inspired uh black women have exploded you know um on online carrying on his work i think Ironically enough, black women are carrying the crimson the cure. Oh, oh, god. oh my god! Crimson cure. This this woman named Beatty. Trevor's new favorite this person. Wo- yeah. Yeah, this woman named Michonne. There's, there's all these people. There's going on and on, and they've 
got a lot of views. Um, and I didn't even like Kevin Samuels that much, but the people who follow him, like, you know, um, I find them like, like so funny. But um, there, was a, there was a moment, I remember this moment, and it was a moment where they said the quiet part out loud, and I think in a way that really kind of disturbed people, where he was like, um, Ice Cube's like, I want to do this thing for black people and get this stuff for black people. And then they were like, what about black women, black women, this black women, that. And Ice Cube said, aren't black women, black people. And then yeah. some of them said, no. And then, uh, not all what? of them. I think he's two what? said, what? yes, yes. And I think that I did not see a, a lot of people were like, what? You know, and I think in their mind, they kind of like try to think that like, um, no, we want to get stuff for black women, not uh, black people. You know, th- these certain types of media um, are, you know, and I turned off a lot of people, including a, a lot of black women. And, and Gio brought up the point that, you know, um, most of Cameron Stamos fans are actually like black women. And that's the thing. A lot of, I think, um, black women are not just black men, even though they want to paint it that way. They have to paint it that way because if they let their white liberal handlers know that, hey, it's not just men, but even other black women don't really like us, then they're kind of making themselves obsolete and not and not needed. You know what I mean? They're, gonna, they're kind of showing their own weakness as, as mascots and sheepdoggers, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think I think in general, there's an there's a anti-woke thing that's happening. Can I just add one more thing? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, please, please, go ahead. Yeah. And that's it, like... Man, whatever. I hate. I hate to say this, you know. And and by the way, like if anybody's going to accuse me of being a homophobe, like you, you, you go right on the head. Okay, my bisexuality protects me from this. But like the the progressives, the Democrats, like the like the they're so soy. They're like they're so they're so limp wristed. And so they're just so effective. Q, Q, like, you don't no, have to apologize. No. Okay. No, you dude, do not have it's... to apologize because I'm not even <laughs> going to go into it. It's just, let's just say it like this. There was a local politician in my state that almost got canceled for being on a hot mic saying that he didn't even say anything disrespectful. It was basically, he said he found uh, Representative Tlaib attractive and the most respectful safe. You know what? I'm not going yeah. to it. But I digress. Now, going to what I've no, no. I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to say that these, these people are like, I can't stand listening to them. I don't want to be associated no, with them. I, I agree. If, if I, I was, if I was, if I was, a, if I was a Democratic voter, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, yo, these are the people that are representing me. Like, I, if, if I have to vote for these people or have to like support these kinds of media figures, and these are the people that are representing me. It's, it's not a good look for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. But here's key. Let's break down a little bit why, because we're going to segue yeah. into what, the point I wanted to make. I think the problem you and I have that we aren't able to put into words, and I've had a lot of time to think about this, and I will just be honest, six bowls deep, but I'm a little even now. I've had time to think this over. I think what the problem is, is that the Democratic Party since Clinton has quietly tried to like de- what I'm trying to say is this it's 
you're right, it is, but it's in a very specific way. And I've noticed this because you're talking to someone who's born like in 1991. So when I became more politically aware was around like, you know, September 11, 2001. <laughs> so um, I noticed these things. And what I noticed was into the 2000s, and I noticed that starting with Carrie, what it was is they've tried to like, they've tried to like sorkinize a lot of the masculinity like it's tried to like put their dress but they've tried to make it like almost a platonic ideal in sort of a way like you get what i'm trying to say like there's trying to like put there but it's more like i feel, I feel like even in aaron sorkin this masculinity is way too toxic for where we are right now yeah know? but they're trying to like reverse engineer it into something woke that's what they're trying to do and it's failing horribly which segues into the main point i was thinking about which is this. I think the real reason why you see so many of these, uh, you know, Democrat, uh, what do you say, you know, talking heads, women ones, I think the real thing that they're trying to, like, fight cognitive distance-wise, and this goes to an ongoing point that me and Q have gone about a common enemy of ours, uh, Rod from the Black Eye Tips. We, we've been over this. Oh, my time. God. See previous episodes for exposition. Listen, anyway, I might, but, listen, I might, I might be, I might be by, but he's a faggot straight up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, 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 I did not say that. Don't I'm sorry. Words. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, I said it. I'll stand behind it. Digga, if you don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, back to my okay. point. I said I will stand behind it. Go ahead. Yeah, so Brett, you know what? Anyway, back to my main point. <clears throat> What I think what they're realizing is the cognitive dissonance that they're trying to like fight off is I think they're realizing at their level, the only black men that they're letting into these like the socioeconomic system, I realize is also dealing with a lot of the divestors. I realize they're mad because all the black men who would have been like, I guess you could say the bucks or that, they if they are smart enough, have enough money, they don't have to be monogamous if they want to go be a fuck boy they have the money and resources to do that so really all they're left with are pretty much like the already like infantilized man i didn't want to say i, I want to say like infantilized because there's a very specific type like yeah you could say a mask but i'm talking like the kind that are like rod those like big baby huey motherfuckers who are like i'm sorry but i like he but he is also emasculated i i, like, I don't really know which other way to put it Okay, you, you, can Q. Say, you can say no, 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 do you guys know, do you guys know he's in a writer's room for a TV show? Yes, I know, uh, I know, a podcast I listened to, one? no, uh, uh Bomani Jones, Bomani Jones, Bomani Jones got a, um, oh show, if you see Bomani the name Jones... Roger, uh, I forgot what his last name is, um, yeah, I don't know either, but, 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 but Bomani Jones got a, a TV show, Green, Green, Bomani, Bomani Jones' show. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fictional show, I believe. But but he oh, recruited. That's, that's, um... that's tough to hear. That's tough to hear because I actually talk to Bomani on Twitter every so often. Hey, he's yeah, yeah, wanna... yeah, I think I think I think he's a cool dude. But I think because he's a Rod, uh, Rod is a influencer. Because I, I think that's what they do now. They figure, okay, he's gonna get you know black Twitter or geek Twitter aware of the show. So let's put him in the yeah. writers' room, which which I think yeah. is a very overrated idea. I think these people don't actually move paying eyeballs to anything. Uh, Trevor, Cause, Trevor, cause, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of Rod, and I want to just go back to the main point I was making. Um, 
fun story, and this is coming from somebody who used to listen to the show in the early years, so I remember this. The episode is probably behind archives, definitely has to be, but I remember this very clearly. There was some random, like, sports morning show podcast, I guess, called Luke Dog in the Morning, and I guess one of the guys found his show, and they were making the same obvious arguments that he's so emasculated they made this joke that everyone makes that Karen beats him in his fucking white dudes which is a crass joke even by my standards but the joke exists nonetheless I don't like it it's fucked up by my standards moving on I shit you not Rod live on the air while live streaming this show took the recording of him listening to that and then sent it to that guy's job and on the air called this guy's job and then a week later when they had to do the next feedback show he played the audio this guy basically quivering and apologizing moralizing and at that point i should have known i should have left but at that time i was also much like rod very much a (laughs) self-hating black man wait 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 wait, wait. i'm I'm a little i'm I'm a little confused i'm a little confused you're saying that he got the he called him he got a guy almost he got a guy fired or almost fired on the air on the live on air i was in the chat when he did it and that guy and that guy called back like quivering and crying or, or no, he, he went on to, his he... own show no no this guy went on his own show and gave this like quivering apology it was like glenn beck if you gave him psilocybin it's just insanity mm. <laughs> i'm sorry it's a terrible analogy <laughs> some people i can see liking that though sadly you know like uh i don't like, oh, got... i don't i don't that's like come on if, if i want to if i want to make a human being suffer i'll just you know no, that's that's still a violation. No, no, no. Moving no, on. I agree. I agree. That's some Karen calling manager stuff, but I think sadly the kind of audience he's going for, I think would like it. But um, that's the thing. Yeah, that's so... the thing, Trevor. Trevor. That that's the thing I'm trying to make about the whole point. I think what's going on with these black talking head point types, at least the women ones, is that they're trying to like break off because I think they're realizing that the only black men they're getting put around them to make it seem like, see, we are diverse are the already broken ones and it's blatantly obvious and they're getting to the point where i think even the powers are be saying oh shit there is an actual uh, cultural difference between the black people we hire and the ones they're trying to talk to and it's actually off-putting because they're realizing we're putting basically the compromats in the fucking top and then wondering why we're you, you see what I'm saying here? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think, I think they, I think they already know that. I think, I think the fact that uh, people are, you know, kind of broken is a feature, uh, not a bug. But I do have to keep it moving. You're welcome to come back um, to the to the stage, but it's just that we have a long queue. Uh, so, no so, so yeah, feel free to come back up. That goes for anybody that, that we move down. But yeah, a lot of people are calling tonight, so I'm going to try to keep it moving faster. Sorry, everybody who's been waiting. But yeah, feel free to unmute. Lance, while we're waiting for Lance to unmute, I was going to say real quick too, I, I come to the conclusion that uh, something they really want Stacey Abrams for is not so much to really win. Like if she wins, it's kind of a bonus. But I think the more I think about it, cause I was like, why are people you know, still investing in this kind of dog of a candidate? I think there's a hope that she'll register and get a lot of and activate a lot of black voters and then they can use those black voters for a white election down the line. You know what I mean? They'll have them 
ready and, ready and activated. So, so she's there to kind of increase the voter rolls of, of black people at this point, more than to actually win as a viable candidate. Did you want to run the, uh, the, the, Jason, the Jason Johnson segment as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Let, let, me, run, let me run that one next because, yeah, there was a – thank you. I actually forgot, forgot about this. Jason Johnson was brought back on to do a follow-up thing, and I think this was kind of because of the backlash. He kind of realized, okay, this backlash went so bad. And, again, I think it's because post – Post um, Ice Cube, uh, a lot of people have been kind of sick of this, and it didn't go over as well as it used to. So Jason Johnson came back on the show, and, and this is what was said by Jason Johnson when he came on. And uh, Lance, uh, when you were unmuted before, for some reason, it didn't seem like we could hear you. So hopefully you can fix your audio before we uh, finish this clip, all right? But we'll hey, get can to you, you after now? This. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you now. So just just hang tight, and then after can we get a clip, can... I'll mute. If you can hear me, I'll just mute and wait. Yeah, cool, yeah, Cool. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we can hear you. So just mute. Okay, per- perfect. Okay, great. Shoot has been. There are a few. There, there are a small number. Yeah. Hold on. Let's get to, get to the beginning. Okay, here we go. Black men get blamed, and black people in general get blamed for failings on the part of the Democratic Party. Yeah. When policies get passed. When, when statutes, when candidates get elected, it's like, oh, the black people didn't turn out, the black people didn't yeah. turn out. And now it seems to be focused on black men. African-American men are super voters for the Democratic Party. Yeah. You don't have a lot of people going to Brian Kemp and going to DeSantis. But the issue has been... There are a few. There, there are a small number. Yeah. But, but let's small be realistic. Fraction. The vast majority of black men are still voting for Democratic Absolutely. candidates. But the question, and the, the thing I, I hear from people all the time is important, is what has the Democratic Party done for black men? That's a fair and question. that is a fair question. Yeah. And I think if Democrats spent more time talking about this is what we've done for brothers this is what we've done for the working class guy and the guy in the c-suite you wouldn't have these problems and it feels like it's setting up a blame game so that if stacey abrams isn't elected and if Raphael warnock ends up being defeated black men will be blamed when in fact most of the time they're supporting the democratic party even if the democratic party doesn't always support them i gotta say you see what tiffany cross tried to do there no yeah it is actually uh, here's the thing I kind of feel like um, I feel like after he got uh, duly chastised for uh, going after Beyond and Roy Gray that one time, and I, and I feel like after the whole uh, Ice Cube shit that happened uh, uh, back in 2020, I feel like Jason Johnson might be coming around. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I think he had a pretty hard time, and you know who knows what that does to a person. But he he's had a brutal uh, past two years. Starting with that, even before that Brianna Joy Gray thing, he was constantly getting uh, dunked on. You know what I mean? I think. Um, yeah, when he was trying to say, when he was trying to say that, uh, you know, oh, we shouldn't call billionaires oligarchs, only Russians are oligarchs. And the people were like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, he was getting, like, styled on every other week. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty bad. And I think he also kind of realized, because before then, he was. Uh, very much part of the black men are trash um, root crowd, and I think you kind of realize like when it's time to graduate to the big stage and the big, the big, the big boys. Like he didn't really have a real black support base, and when the white leftists started going in on him, you know, he didn't really have anybody in his in his corner because a lot of black people didn't like him from his days of black man bashing. So I think he's kind of realized, okay, I need to be more in tune with what the rest of the black communities thinking and actually get a bit more of that support you know what i mean the moral the moral moral arc of the universe is long but it bends towards taurine walker 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, if that, if that crowd was behind them, he wouldn't have had a better time on, on MSNBC, and they, and they weren't. You know, it's interesting. I, I did a thing on my show like an eight to ten. Oh, oh wait, 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 real quick, real quick, real quick before you speak, Lance, I have to walk away. I just want to let, let you know because uh, I need to get a charger. This charger is not too strong. I don't want the phone to die. So if I don't okay. respond, that's why I'm, I'm going to be away for a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so ahead, I did man. like it. Maybe a seven, eight, ten minute explanation of, of course, it makes perfect sense to black conservatives. Here's the executive summary, right? That, that if you will indulge me, say three minute version, go back to FDR, New Deal program. In the late 30s, early 40s, mom, pa, kettle. They actually did a dozen movies because they cashed in once the one got successful. It was Appalachian types, uh, you know, white folks who uh, were always fighting the man, the railroad guy, the landlord, or the revenue was going to come and tax them take their land and, you know, try to, they were, you know, of course, a classic story, they're morally and ethically superior, not educated. Okay, but during that time, the natural hostility between folks, when they, FDR, they put together the New Deal program, they had to tax everyone. There just wasn't enough rich people, even if they wanted to tax them, especially after the Depression, hurt a lot of them. Everybody got taxed, but what did a lot of folks, people of color too, Tennessee Valley Authority, biggest social program ever. Okay. But on a ton of programs, as we all know, black people were specifically carved out of the New Deal programs. Okay, that socialist program, number one. Fast forward two decades, Round v. Board, Montgomery boycott. That was the 50s. Good, a good start, right? We're going to start at least addressing and acknowledging, right? One city had a boycott, was successful, become nationally known. SCOTUS. Oh, okay, so then we have LBJ started with JFK. New Deal, pro, or, uh, Great Society Program, voting rights, all these things. What was happening simultaneously? Eminent domain, destroying the equity of businesses and homes of black people all over the country. Quote, unquote, blight. No, very much of it was just, in that, well, we're going to put you in projects. We're going to give you cheap rent, but no equity forever. Okay, somehow or other, after all that, there is a large black middle class. And there's Ben. Oh, I'm doing good here. Three minutes. I said, man, condensify it, dude. You know, it's not your show. All right. So fast forward to now. Somehow plumbers and electricians or, you know, whoever, businessmen, right? People that or people that just have decent jobs who have 401k, who got screwed on mortgages and redlining in the 70s. So all these years later, they've managed to eke out a start a business. They've eked out a middle and upper middle class business. Yeah, there's more per capita middle class blacks, miraculously, even though it's, uh, that's not a thing to say that anything really worked. It's kind of in spite of, if anything else, not because of, but part because, okay. So now fast forward to now in 2008, and, and people know that the mortgages and who got screwed after 2008. So the idea, first of all, that for liberals, what do they think? That everybody's either a welfare recipient or a low, low blue collar, you know, they're working at Dollar General or they're working. No, there are middle class black voters who influence other people, you know, that maybe are uh, in a different economic yep. uh, strata. But why wouldn't there be black conservatives who would say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We've been getting screwed since FDR on every program that came down the pike. Now that we've managed to get it together, some of us, and we have, we're plumbers, we're like, like I said, or small businessmen or doctors, whatever we are. Now you want to text us heavy because now Bernie Sanders is going to make it good for everyone who's a good guy, by the way. Maybe I even think, Bernie, you know, let's say this person would say, yeah, Bernie Sanders is great. But why, why, why should we fool me once? Shame on you. Fool me twice. 
shame on me. Fool me 50 more times. Why do people think it's so bizarre that there should be black conservatives who are saying, get the hell out of my money, get the hell out of my life. Oh, by the way, let's add I, the fact. I, that wouldn't, even, natural, I wouldn't even venture to natural say. natural social would... conservatism, you know, on top of it. So the idea that they're not all Democrats and flocking to Democrats shouldn't be any surprise. Right? Well, a lot of people seem to think that, like, uh, if you suddenly become more apathetic about Democrats, that your natural uh, choice is to become a Republican. But look at the the vast amount of black people that have checked out of the voting process altogether. I don't know that it's that uh, black people are becoming more conservative. And you're right about the point where it comes to uh, the black middle class, even though it is rapidly shrinking, like there's a smaller black middle class now than there was in, in, the, uh, in the late 1960s and 1970s. But the problem is um, many Democrats and white progressives understand black people and black communities entirely through the lens of poverty so they're not they're not speaking to um black middle class people at all it's only through black fathers being absent it's only through poverty it's only through the school to prison pipeline the lack of education etc cetera, etc cetera. but where it comes to let's say uh black small business owners where it comes to uh, the black working class black people in unions etc there's literally nothing there you're not speaking to those people so of course they're checking out of the process yeah, big, big time, big time. Yeah, I mean, it's totally... Um, oh, my gosh, could I just lay, add just one more layer, wait, wait, just a Lance, tiny little point Lance, on that, Lance, you know? So. Okay, uh, Lance, but the point has to be on quick because we want to keep the, keep the queue moving. So try to keep it 30 seconds or less. Right, because oh, it wasn't going to oh, be back and forth, so I'm going to lay one more point on and get the hell out of the way. But so oh, okay, it's cool. like uh, Republicans or, that are honest business owners who have true meritocracies. They're not all racist assholes. I'm not trying to defend Republicans. But in terms of the soft, low expectations, racism of Democrats, which is exactly what you were talking about, where, well, they're all poverty. They all need help. They all No, they're strong, intelligent, college-educated businessmen sometimes who don't want nothing to do with your left-wing politics thank you very much they're not just looking for head or ignorant or whatever else so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well said thank you uh so much and uh we're just going to move on to the next in the queue and as we say to everybody you're always welcome to um pop back in the queue if you have something else to say but we have um i can't even read read from here oh yeah uh jimmy yeah. hey how's it going jimmy, uh, yeah. pardon me if i if I butcher your name, did, did I say it correctly? Yeah, I wasn't, it, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Wow, you sit. You sit. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. You said it. You said it right the first time. That's a, that's a first, bro. Oh, great! I'm uh, glad. I'm glad. Right. I, should, I should have kept my mouth shut instead of adding the second yeah. wrong time. <laughs> but <laughs> nah, but right yeah, by on. all means, uh, by all means, go ahead, man. Glad, glad you're here. All right. I uh, thanks for thanks for having me, uh, Stacy Abrams. Uh, for context. I'm a half white, half black male. So just to give you all that, Stacey Abrams, Tiffany Cross, um, they're tools of the Democrat or they're tools of the status quo, period. Uh, black men voting. We shouldn't until we get tangibles. No tangibles, no, no compromises, no vote, period. Um, I am, uh, going through the orientation process with the Black Panther Party of Washington. Um, so I am definitely socialist, uh, Marxist leaning. Um, and the, the caller before me was dead on, dead on. 
they give us nothing and they haven't gave us nothing for, you know, this is working on 500 years. So people are start finally starting to wake up. I do see some of the black community talking about um, going, going uh, Republican. I have seen that in black spaces for sure. Um, but the majority of us are checking out and, and hopefully they are coming of the mind frame like myself, get out there, build your community, um, strengthen those around you and figure out solutions. Let's talk solutions, not about people. Um, to an earlier caller, I definitely would like to say the people, the, the, the black man period, um, the reason why they're always reaching out to us and trying to um, appease us and, you know, uh, pretty much is because no matter what, these people have had us in bondage. And like the earlier caller said, redlining and Jim Crow and everything, everything else that has been done to us by this government is horrid, you know? So I, I, that's why they always are trying to reach out to the black community, even though in my opinion, it is not really reaching out to the black community. They're, they're, they're placating to us, but they're not actually extending the, um, the input we need um, or the, or the extension of goods or, or making us whole or anything. They, they haven't. And I don't believe they will except through direct actions. Uh, general strike in my opinion would be, uh, amazing. Um, again, I appreciate, I appreciate the time. I appreciate, uh, y'all listening and, uh, hope to come back. This is my first time, but it's pretty cool. I can dig it. Anytime, man. Here, here. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're 100 correct. You, you know, just uh, you know, if I can, if I can uh, offer, you know, what, what I what I believe to be a succinct or a summary of what you're saying, like, you know, they they'll pander and they'll patronize, but they'll never want to enter a partnership. And that's what I think that that most black people are looking for, where it comes to um, not just like the, you know uh, their relationship with the Democratic Party, but but their relationship with politics. Period. That they're looking to develop a partnership where if we vote for you, here's what we get in return, as long as we have an, a partnership of equals. But that's not what black people get from politics. What they end up, what they get is either pandering, you know, uh, you twerk your way to the polls, or yeah. like, uh, I don't know if you saw that, like uh, the, uh, the, the strippers that were, um, there was like some strippers advertising polling back in 2020. Uh, I, Joe Biden, uh, tell, like telling black people, if you if you uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So oh, it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either outright pandering or just patronizing people, but never a partnership. Right. right, right, and we're and we're tired of it. I mean, after almost five hundred years, when did you be? You know, I mean, that's just it's reality, and we've always been stepped on. But but yeah, man, I uh, yeah. I hope I uh, articulated that as well, and uh, I'm glad you glad you felt it, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling. Um, we're gonna move on, but you're always welcome to uh, come back up in the queue and speak again, or 
you know, to speak in a future show. Look forward to hearing from yes, you sir. again. All yes, right, sir. be good. Uh, I want to ask something real quick before um, before um, Bernie speaks. Is um, I feel like um, these people like Tiffany Cross and Roland Martin and these kind of uh, black pundits slash academics slash you know basically the class of black people who are in a position to get goodies from the DNC if everything goes well. I feel like those type of people, they're more invested in Stacey Abrams generally winning than I think the average white Democrat. I feel like for the, yeah. the white Democrats, they're kind of willing to lose a short-term election because they don't really have anybody strong right now anyway. Uh, white Democrats want to see Stacey Abrams win so that their black friends will, or actually, I, they don't really have black friends, but like just so that they can like go on social media and like advertise themselves as as allies to their their the the black people that follow them on social media. I don't think they actually have black friends. Oh oh yeah for sure. And and I should be more clear when I say white Democrats. In this case, I'm talking about uh, white Democrats as in actual like capital D DNC type Democrats. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about the yeah. ones who actually do the planning for the party. I think they don't really have anybody strong to run in Georgia right now anyway. So like I think to them this is just. Um, if Stacey Abrams wins, okay, that's a nice bonus. But um, they, this is what I think is going to happen. Oh, I see what to you mean. Like, Ab- to, them, to them, she's basically a, like a sacrifice fly. Yes, yes, thank you. That's exactly what, what, what she is. She's going to get a lot of black voters, they're hoping, activated and registered and enrolled. Then maybe, you know, those people can vote in, you know, the next presidential election and other things. But something I think... She's there and she's kind of intersectional. So she's she's out there and she's talking a lot of the intersectional stuff in the South. And she's talking about, you know, a lot of stuff with like the queer rights, talking about stuff with um, alternative family structure and, um, you know, racial stuff and these these different, you know, kind of uh, social justice woke kind of points and. I don't think it's really going to fly with a lot of the more conservative Democrats, white Democrats, uh, middle of the road um, voters, swing voters. But after they get her, you know, and use her basically as a sacrifice fly, like you said, or like a voter drive, when they vote, when they run the next white person down there uh, as a Democrat, he's not going to be saying They're any not of that talking stuff. about none of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not talking about any of that progressive stuff that she's, you know, willing to uh, put herself on the on the line for so i think and that's uh, what i mean but that's what i mean by sacrifice fly is that like so it's like okay well you know we are we already talked about all that uh the, the alternative family structures the lgbt stuff here now we're just going to get down to let's get back to basics let's just talk about yep. you know uh tax cuts and healthcare and you know protecting uh uh protecting uh seniors and that kind of stuff education we're not talking about all that shit. school districts and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and, and hey, Bernie, if you want to unmute, feel free. Bernard. Okay, y'all. I'm sorry. I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. I, I called you Bernie. I don't know if you like being called Bernie. In in the chat, you put Bernie, so I say Bernie. But up here, you call Bernard. So. Oh, Bernie's fine. You good? Okay, cool. All right. So, like, first of all, I don't think there's any sacrifice involved because I think even if Stacey loses again and worse than she did the first time, I think she just stands to gain from this as an individual. Like, she got a lot of money from running the last time and also corralling votes in 2020 
you know, for the for Joe and the two Georgia Senate candidates. Like, so I think like for her, like whether she loses or wins, she she wins. Like maybe she'll get a permanent spot on Star Trek. I don't know. She'll win. She'll win to a degree, but I think she does generally. I don't think she just wants to be a talking head or a celebrity. I think she does want, because the way her heart looks so broken when she realized that Joe Biden wasn't going to pick her as a running mate. <laughs> you know that clip where Joe Biden's yeah, talking about, um, and, and he thinks that, yeah, she, she clearly thinks, yeah, she clearly thinks he's about to nominate her. Like, like I, I think she likes being a little mascot and darling, but I do think she does want to have one big office at some point um, before, before she she ends it all. So, uh, Man, I, I, do, that, I do agree with you. Cameo, yeah. That cameo they put her on on Star Trek, that was just the worst pander. Like, I didn't see it. I didn't that, to me, see it. That, that's where I had to close the door on that series, on uh, Star Trek Discovery. But yeah, what I wanted to say was that she wanted to do this preemptive blame of uh, black men. She needed to do it several months ago before she stepped in it when she tried to appease like um I think it was white a few white conservatives or maybe some conservative Democrats when she said that, oh, I'm gonna try to mend the relationship between black people and the police by raising like yeah, I think yeah. it was like sheriff's pay or something like that. And then the thing is she did that at a time when I think a poll or some data just came out showing how people were changing registration and that the registrations were heavily favoring Republicans. And like, and when they, in the article that I was reading, they were saying like, they named some areas where this is happening and they mentioned some of the, they mentioned it was happening in the Atlanta suburbs. And they also said it was happening in one of the second tier cities. Hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, Bernard, real quick, you're, you're getting clearer than muffled and clear. I don't know if the mic is oh. moving back and forth from your mouth. Yeah, yeah, right now you sound very clear. Whatever position you have the mic in, if you can keep it there, be perfect. Okay, so where, when's the last time where I was pretty clear? Right now you're good. Uh, okay, yeah, what I was saying yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. what I was trying to say is that she was pandering through that um, raising shares pay or whatever. She was pandering to voters who right after she came out with that policy, it was shown that they were basically leaving anyway. Like she wasn't going to get them. They were not gettable anymore. They had changed their registration to Republicans. So I was kind of like, I don't know if you were going to blame us and shame us, like, and you wanted that to have an effect on the polls, you needed to do it way before now, because I'm seeing that her consultants are clearly responding to this black men thing because I was listening to an Atlanta radio station and there was this awful, I did, I tried to convince myself that it wasn't as bad, but I still think it was pretty bad. There was this ad where they were featuring a dialogue between a black woman and some black man, and they depicted the black man as extremely aloof, almost as if he didn't even know Stacy was running in Georgia. And and then the lady had to inform him, I guess it was his girlfriend talking about something like, you should really look into Stacy because she's going to do free technical talk college, and you want it to be a mechanic, right? Like, something like that. And he was like, oh, uh, I guess I'll go look up Miss Stacy and blah. like they made him sound really dumb as if black men in Georgia just had no clue of what was going on and and whether or not she was even running and like this regular regular black woman is here to save the day. That's how that ad came off to me. So I was like, who your consultants are telling you to run ads like that? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, how, when was this ad? Was this ad um, a couple months ago? 
I don't think I think it's relatively new. I think it okay, okay, because I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was gonna say something really quick, right? You said that she needed to start talking this black man thing a couple months ago, but what's funny is she actually has been. Um, but for some reason, this Tiffany Cross thing was the one. I think I guess because it's a national TV that went kind of viral. But uh, check out this one. This is from June eighteenth. Because uh, because I had been seeing her kind of planning the season for this for a while, so she had a, she had a tweet. She goes, "I sat down with a few black men to hear about the challenges that are unique to them. Black men deserve to be seen, heard, and represent, represented. As governor, I will work hard every day to ensure they have the opportunity to thrive in Georgia." And this is the the ad. I'm gonna play the ad. You can't see the visuals, but you can hear it. Let me know if this is the same ad you're talking about. What do you want the next governor to know about what leadership you need? As black men, there's so much pressure to be great. A lot of times we don't have anybody that is speaking up for us. And I believe that you can serve as that person for us. That's the job of the governor, to be in this together, especially for mm. black men in a moment where so much is arrayed against you. The moment that we give up our hope is the moment that we lose every single time. And I feel that you are just another breath of hope for us. Thank you. And that was the whole thing. But what's funny about it is she didn't say what she was going to do for black men. She said, that was nothing there that was yeah, nothing yeah. there i haven't heard that ad uh t yeah so so uh she's been trying to pander the black man for a bit but there's no promises so, so if you listen to Thank the ad she goes hey black <laughs> hey black man i know you, you need to be it. seen and heard yeah i know you have it really bad uh what do you need uh well we, well we have a pressure to be great and it's hard but that's what i like about you you're wonderful and we're doing everything we need well thank you it's like wait you just paid yourself a compliment <laughs> you just had an ad to just say that uh you're everything black men need without giving you any type of promise as to what it is and it was just basically you praising uh yourself so uh then on june 30th with she was with big tigger of v103 oh big tigger, lord my big tigger down here causing trouble can he go back to new york like god <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think I think he's from the South, though. I, I think, isn't he? He might I, be, I but you know, most of this stuff before he came down to Atlanta, <laughs> like, was, was based was in New York. York. Yeah, he Go was. Go back. Uh, June thirtieth, uh, in two thousand twenty-two, he was part of. He hosted a town hall discussion with um, oh. Stacey Abrams. This is June thirtieth, where they had more than two hundred black men, uh, you know, discuss their role in current Georgia, and she had like, you know. Um, an event with them like 200 um black men and she was she was talking she was talking to them and i saw pictures of it there's a lot of black men there but i don't really know what came out of it it's just it's just this ad even not an ad it's just a quick article so you know i wasn't able to hear how well she um you know, i don't think it went in. well uh from what i heard <laughs> but yeah. but uh like what i what i'm trying to say i and I'm mad that you played that now, T, because I don't know which ad is worse, that one where she offers nothing <laughs> or the one where she depicts the black man as aloof and says something about technical colleges. And the funny thing about colleges in Georgia is, like, you got to keep it real. I think black people are funding, like, the scholarships at the major universities because we use the lottery money to fund the scholarships. So you're talking about black and poor folks basically funding, um, like, wealthy students who go to UGA and Georgia Tech, and those are like, you usually think of public schools as like kind of middle income, but no, like um, UGA and Georgia Tech have like median family incomes, like close to elite private schools. So like you got black and poor folks paying for 
I don't know Becky and Sarah Jane and whoever, like not really that many black people to go to like these major state flagships or technical schools. So I'm kind of like, well, is it our tax dollars and our lottery money also going to make these, you know, technical colleges free? I just want to know, like, what, are you really giving black people something? And are we the ones mostly funding all of this? Like, I, I don't know what she's trying to do. Like, and I, I, she has no chance as far as I'm concerned. So I, I have no hope for her, and I don't know why people are trying to blame us for that. Like she, because like the thing about Georgia is like it's it's the freaking South. Like we're used to having Republican governors. Like what do we need her for if we're like in a black enclave and if we want to do politics, we can mainly do it through like local politics, and that might actually have more of an effect on our everyday life than like Stacey Abrams' milk toast policies which kind of pander to conservatives and more like centrist democrats anyway Um, we're not going to even talk about how they whether or not they address like the georgia's you know kind of false black middle class and whatnot because the democrats aren't interested in speaking anything about that and neither are white progressives like like that the previous uh caller said like they both of those tend to focus on just poverty when they could and i think they could actually offer something to say like a black so-called middle class because one thing about if you go to places like georgia even if you go to dc and look at like their black middle class it's not really that stable so maybe you could talk about things that might stabilize their businesses and stabilize their neighborhoods and actually give them real access to resources versus just like you kind of get to live in a nice home with a nice lawn and not be homeless but you don't get good schools you don't get good amenities you still have to commute a long way to get to a job because all the good jobs are in white areas or in the central business district, stuff like that. Like there are ways to talk about, talk to middle-class people or middle-class black people in a way that might be appealing to them. Unfortunately, I do think that will, you will have to spend time convincing them that they're not actually middle-class, that they just have high income. But um, I think that's worth something. And Stacy and, and Warnock, man, they, they ain't doing nothing. Like when they get defeated, I'm not going to shed a tear. I don't. I think only my boomer parent and my aunts and uncles gonna shed a tear, but I ain't shedding no tears for that. And I think that's all I got for y'all. Like, I don't know what you think about that or what you think is going on down there, but that's the way I see. No, it. I was no, I was I was waiting for T's response on that, but uh, no, you're 100 correct on that one. Like, uh, I, I think that um, the uh, uh, one of the major issues with the uh, with the Democratic Party in general. Um, I think something that Jason Johnson brought attention to is that they're not even, I don't think they're even even clear what it is that uh, black families, much less um, black men want from their elected representatives. So you have people that uh, um, that get uh, looked down on um, by people like Tiffany Cross, like, like your Tariq Nasheed. But listen, man, say what you want about Tariq. He will say this, you know, that uh, black people deserve to get tangibles out of their vote. And uh, I've heard this from multiple people that, um, there are uh, uh, consulting firms that have spoken to Democratic candidates and to the DNC about uh, you know black men being a fairly important voting bloc, and they don't follow this up. I don't think they are even aware what it is that uh, those voters are looking for. Hey, Joe, you can go ahead. Something, something I'm gonna say real quick is, um, I feel like they're trying to bring. I feel like they realized they overstepped and it backfired with what Tiffany Cross did, and the Jason Black thing was an attempt to kind of maybe walk it back. But I think even then, like you pointed out, Tiffany Cross still just couldn't 
fully just fall back. She still had to uh, kind well, of. Well, yeah, um, just, yeah. There's, the there are a few. Yeah, exactly. There, there are a few, and it's like they, they can't, like they can't let the point cross without you, saying, "Well, yeah." But there, there are some black men that uh, vote for conservative candidates. Yeah, even even when they need them, they still can't help uh, throwing in an insult. You know, uh, even yeah. as they're begging, it's, it's it's obnoxious. But yeah, go ahead, Joe. Hey, Q, Trevor, um, man, this is my second show. I heard you the first time and I was just working and uh, listening to you guys. And I thought you had great political takes and breakdowns. And uh, the second show proves it. I I love your Georgia analysis. Um, I I think you guys are are really on point. And, uh, but, you know... We've got to have a list of demands, don't we? I mean, we can't just like always have this esoteric wandering view of like, you know, it's not fair to refine the process. Like, you know, we've been spending like 80 billion bucks a month Uh on commercial real estate bailout. I'll know we're getting real and the articulation will be real when we start doing reparations in a real way. Uh, you know, I, the- I totally, I totally agree. Here's my kind of worry, and I just want to say this because I want to hear your your thought on this. All right, because um, I was talking to somebody about this, and I was saying I think one of the biggest problems that kind of happen now. I don't want to put it all on um, intersectionality. I think intersectionality was the first thing that kind of did this, but I think there's other stuff since then. So I'm not putting all intersectionality, but like starting with intersectionality, it became kind of common to start subdividing black people into different interest groups it was hard for anyone to form solidarity because it's like hey um the regular black struggle is leaving behind me a black disabled person i'm my own i'm my own group that has cross interests against black able-bodied people as a black woman i have um interest not being met by the regular black politics because was going too much toward men and we and then we started getting like uh diaspora war stuff the gender war stuff the um all types all types of different uh internal things where it's become so normalized now like my worry is that we can't really get enough people together in the black community to even make and, and reparations is the same thing no, no, people... you know it's 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 100 correct like it's the community's become so stratified one of the one of the okay like uh you used to hear this one a lot i can't choose between my blackness and my womanhood or i can't choose my, between my blackness and my sexuality or my blackness and this that or the third and it's like okay but what do all of these things have in common exactly right like you can't you 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 say that you can't choose between your blackness and you know insert secondary identity here but the rest of society is going to go ahead and sort that out for you. And, and someone said something really good once to me. They, they said uh, there was a black gay woman who was saying that she weighs her blackness first, and they asked her why. And she said, uh, my parents knew I was going to be black before they knew if I was going to be a woman or gay. So I was exactly. like, yeah, they, exactly. they, they, there you go. So true. Something, something is something else I want to say real quick too about the whole why I hate that oh I can't choose between my race and my gender whatever it's like a lot of people who say that if you ask them what their politics are they say intersectional feminist and I'm like okay so you made a choice because intersectional means all these identities but you took all those identities and then you added the noun 
feminist. So it's like you could have been intersectional socialist. You know, you could have been like, hey, I'm taking my gender, my race, and my class position, and I'm choosing to call myself a socialist. You know, you could have said intersectional anti-racist, but you said intersectional feminist. So out of all of those identities that come under intersectionality, when it came time to give yourself a name, the noun, intersectional was the adjective, but the noun, uh, what kind of intersectional thing you were, you were intersectional feminist. So you, you made a choice. You, maybe you didn't mean to say the quiet part out loud. I didn't realize you were snitching on yourself, but just be honest. Say you chose woman first, you know, and that's fine. I don't know why they have to say that when it's clear that they made a choice. Trevor? Uh, if I could chime in, I would just like to say, like, you know, we can get down to the uh, nitty gritty and the nth degree, but I think that's the beauty of universal programs and, like, let people be who they are, you know? And, uh, you know, when we have universal point of entry, health care, education, elder care, child care, we have you know, a lot of things are so highly measured, like your economic worth is highly measured. If you don't believe it, uh, look at Experian credit rating. They know you maybe better than you know yourself uh, in terms of what it is to make it in this fake ass uh, American dream. And but I think like, you know, there's a lot of. Like because people are so it just seems like communities are the Black America, by the way, has the highest medical debt per ratio. They're, what, 13, 14% of the uh, populace, and they have the highest rate of medical debt. You know, just, uh, we don't have to get all exotic with that. We've got to, like, just break it down because, you know what, their same vulnerabilities are the Mexican community and guess what, the white community. And one thing I didn't realize is that there's a black Georgian um, uh, majority in the state of Georgia, which getting back to your analysis, uh, you know, I just want to throw that in there. Like there's a changing demographic, but we've got to have a list of demands and universality is where it's at. And maybe you guys could weigh in on that a little bit. I totally agree that there has to be a form of universality, even if it's not um, it doesn't have to be necessarily class-based. It could be based on race as well, you know, or a mix of both. Some universality, you know, evolves around what's facing you as a race. Some universality involves, you know, your gender as a as a class. Some of it involves your um, socioeconomic standards. Like, you know, as poor people, let's all get together. But I just think... A big problem now is a lot of people want to hyper balkanize and want to hyper um, specialize, and there's this almost like like for for example, I'm just gonna give a just a very quick anecdote. I was I saw someone post on Twitter a really good TikTok about uh, disabled representation, and what they um, were talking about is how a lot of um, uh, disabled people are kind of de- demonized in um, media and like what it is is like a lot of times like um, someone who's like evil the the main way like they'll know they're evil is like they're born with like a 
weird appendage or you know it was a very interesting thing i was like oh this is really interesting and then the person added stuff like uh you know people think this is overreacting but there were times where uh there were laws before a certain point where you couldn't even be outside before a certain uh, you couldn't be outside your house past a certain time before 1970 if you were disabled or after a certain time it was such a crazy stat and I was like, wow, this is this was this was a really thought-provoking thing that you know I n- never heard of, including this thing about a law where disabled people couldn't be outside at certain times. Yeah. And then uh, the first response I saw was, yeah. So can you imagine if you're a black and disabled? And I was like, god damn it! Like you can't just let you know um, the point stand. Like, right? Even if. I assume the person who wrote that was black and disabled, but I'm like, you can't just have a moment of solidarity with this other disabled person. Like you had to, but I also wouldn't be surprised if that person wasn't even disabled. They just wanted to get the the attention back on themselves. And they just, that one reply was so annoying to me that you couldn't just give a little bit of empathy to this tweet and, this, and just share the pain yeah. of this tweet or whatever. That you... you described Munchausen syndrome you know like them trying to be the saviors you know to come and explain your situation but you know i i you know i pre- i i never knew that this like i said this is my second time listening to this show and you like opening up and showing the situation and what you're dealing with like you know what like hats off to you man i'm i'm hugging you uh you know from i'm in arizona so wherever you're at you know uh, just shout out to you and and but, you know, FDR said that um, when he was, you know, we didn't have all the social media connectivity that we do nowadays. And that's why people get canceled in a second. Right. FDR, um, fascist movement. Um, in 1938, there was in 20,000 seats in Madison Square Garden. It was packed full of people supporting the Nazi effing party, you guys. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. like you can find that footage on YouTube, but that shows you the struggle. FDR, and by the way, that was his um, his height of climbing to power. But to show you what resistance and moneyed resistance there is, he fought that back with universal programs and instead of having like individualized struggle problems like nobody wants to talk about that more than oh by the way the the um uh your your coverage on uh uh what uh mr johnson from msnbc or what uh johnson yeah yeah i mean that was spot on i mean you know, talk about a guy who would love to like capitalize somebody's individual story and never talk about the broad spectrum problem of the black community, you know, uh, and, and I'm just, I'm kind of sick of that. I'm over this. I love the FDR. I love the broad blanket. Give me the universal coverage of everybody. Let them, the, the common, you know, everything is exacerbated in this economy. Like if we can't read like, What's going on, whether it's student debt or whether it's car loans or whether it's credit card debt or whether it is, you know, just you don't have elder care. Black community is super underrepresented in every single measure to it to a degree to where they come and pander to you. 
but yet the white the white trailer guy is no further back. I mean, everybody is just eating it hard. This is a class warfare thing. This is not, and we all have individual stories. I don't want to minimize anybody. I appreciate you sharing your struggles, you know, but I mean, like at the end of the day, like, man, we've, this, there's an evolution happening. You're not going to find it. Listen, man. And, and to, you know, God bless Lance. God bless some of the other people who are just saying, you know, the disgruntled features of the, nobody is worse than this common democratic party, the corporate leadership. We've seen it. It's stench. It's stench laden. It's rotten. It's core. It's just, but the lead, are you going to go with James Clyburn or are you going to go with Christian Smalls? I got news for you. (laughs) Smalls, you know, I mean, and, and I think that that leaves like a clear distinction of where we're at. Can you wait it out? Yeah. It's been 400 years plus for the black Americans. I don't, I don't say African Americans because it's such an insult. The original Americans are black America. It's just the most horrid conditions that that thing. Uh, you, you know, you know, the, you know. The funny thing about that too is that uh, that that phrase "African Americans" that was actually uh, Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition that popularized uh, huh. that that terminology. Yeah, they and that was like wow. that was that, that they didn't ask anybody from the black community about that, like whether that's the way that they want to identify. Uh, that was Jesse Jackson in the nineteen eighty four, if I'm not mistaken, Democratic primary. Yeah, eighty eight. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. yeah. Against Pat Robertson and uh, 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 Pat, uh, what was the other guy? The um, the uh, conservative weirdo um, on Fox News. Oh gosh, I can't remember his name. But that was a weird time, you know. But you know, I I just don't want to like always like lend credence to you guys like aptly pointing out Roland Martin or you know, Al Sharpton or like, you know, even Jesse Jackson, like it was, you know, it's been a rough evolution, but we're here. They've done economic measurements on, on the black community, the white community that everybody you need to know They, the American dream has a uh, price tag on it. We know it quite well, whether we measure it through healthcare, education, we're, we're an aging society. You think black people, Black Americans don't have elders to care for. Do that in poverty, bro. You know. Oh no, no. I, listen, this is something. This is something I'm dealing with. Right, like we have an elder in my family that's uh, you know whose health is failing and you know whose uh, whose whose home is like slowly deteriorating, and it's something that we're having to deal with right now. And it's like yeah. it's not unique. This is something that a lot of people are dealing with is uh, dealing with elder care. You know, figuring out how to uh, make the final stages of our, our elders' lives as comfortable as possible. And it's just, it's increasingly difficult. That's dignity. You know, that's dignity. And you know what? And like when we get blown out and just saying, yeah, you know what? Democrats have done me wrong. I'm not going to do this totality. There's this like group, this, this group of Republicans, you know, this rogue Republicans, they're disaffected black American voters. Dude, like do math. You're not going to get it from that sector. The log cabin Republicans can tell you the math on what that looks like. And like they got nobody got dissed harder than the gay community and the Republican community. But I, I guarantee you, 
the struggle is different, the community is different, but the black Republicans will experience the very same defeat that the log cabin gay Republicans uh, experienced. They're not, their whole thing is based on culturalism. Like cheap, shallow. Like tell me what the Republican party in the, tell me what the most intellectual deep thought that you can tell me from the elect, the uh, Republican party. Go ahead. Uh, Joe. Yeah, Joe, I do. I do agree. But uh, we have to move on because there's oh, more, more people, okay. more, more, no. more people in the queue. But, but no, I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. But the deepest intellectual thought of the Republican Party, like, what is it all about? Though, out of everything you said, the one thing I would slightly push back on is I do believe that there needs to be more universal thinking. But I also think that we talk about FDR. There were a lot of programs that FDR did that um, black people were excluded from. So I think even within the universal, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the National the, Labor Relations Act, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There still has to be some thought given to you know some of the unique um, uh, exclusionary oppressions and discrimination that some people face. So I, I do think with the universal, there does have to be a balance of, you know, specific needs, but I just feel like the balance is really out of whack. And there is right now, the pendulum has shifted a little too much toward the, um, the individual. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, and thank you. Go. And that's the problem is they're like trying to individualize always a story. And like you live your life through somebody through a Kardashian's view lens and like how you don't measure up or, you know, whether it's through like somebody in a gay struggle or somebody in a poor struggle with medical, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the beauty of the FDR. Um, you know, I, I know, I know FDR didn't have a clean record. I mean, he, he didn't, uh, uh, you know, he had a lot of stories. yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not saying he had a clean record. I'm just saying that you know, to make sure it doesn't happen again, it does have to be kept in mind. Like, 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 uh, in theory, the universal, you know, is great, but you have to make sure the universal really is uh, universal. And to do that, I think you have to sometimes um, fight extra for the person being left out of uh, the universal. The That's one. Th- but the program is going to deliver us and like will show us a list of demands and speak to us from like a commonality, not don't don't get broken down and faked out, head faked by small personal um, discussions, because everybody knows what it's like to get old. Everybody knows what it's like to have teeth in their head or have an elderly parent or have a gay son or have a you know, we all know that like just you know, be real to the generality of it. And, and we've all got the same struggle, man. Everybody, everybody's got a struggle. And, and yeah. I mean, everyone does have a struggle, but the problem is everybody has uh, unique struggles uh, too. It's just, I think you have to make sure the unique struggles don't outweigh the um, commonalities. I think that's, I think that's the, Key thing. Uh, hey, Gamby, feel free to unmute. Oh, you're already unmuted. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to something. Something fell on my desk, so I'll be quiet oh, for a bit. Right. Trying to pick every pick everything up. So feel feel free to talk. Oh, heard that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I just want to say I was thinking about it. Um, 
I was thinking a lot in terms of about that clip and how a lot of this stuff gets discussed in terms of like uh, who becomes like the gatekeepers of like black politics and in media and and what's you know and and I think a lot of stuff is is so connected by by media in, in many ways and and personally and it's just a, it, I kind of got like a tinfoil theory on this and I don't think it's that tinfoil I think T you would kind of see this too maybe you too uh, Q I feel like a lot of this that's going on specifically when they when they talk about how they talk about black women and how they talk about black men and and voting and how I feel like the Democratic Party makes, you know, black women like the biggest mules now of the Democratic Party in, in many ways. And I feel like to, to me, I don't feel like that was a thing in a lot of the 2010s um, for a while. You know, I don't think that was a thing. But I feel like ever since like what and you kind of said this earlier, T, like like after a certain point, it, it, it's it's kind of tapered off. I think I, I, I listened to your episode um, about the Great Awakening. And I feel like that's kind of been a big part of of how you see a lot of this rhetoric coming out of the Democratic Party or just Democratic operatives, liberals, you know, whatnot, is I feel like since like 2014, I think the Ferguson uprisings have had a big impact on how that a lot of that stuff has went, because I think and you've talked about it on, on like YouTube and, and everything and like how you see like like BLM and like the faces of BLM and and you see like uh, uh Patrice Colors or you know Tometi or Garza and and a lot of people made a lot of come up off of that and also the way we talk about stuff is so different now and and then since since 2014 like I feel like media social media changed but also like social media became more performative you know to a lot of people now in, in the way we talk about it and I think that's that's been a big part on this. And then when you, you look at like the way people talk about talked about Black Lives Matter, you know, people talk about it's led by black women, which there were, you know, definitely black women leaders, even though it's decentralized in other ways. But also they, they got like a lot of forms and stuff like these. These women were like on TED Talks. They were doing Say Her Name campaigns. You can find uh, like academics like like I, I used to, I follow, you know, Barbara Ransby, Ransby and I know she would often piggyback in a way off of like uh blm or like uh or angela davis and they would often talk about you know the the how it's more intersectional you know you talk about that kind of stuff and i feel like that that's had an impact on how like a lot of liberals or, or white liberals talk about and how they conceptualized a lot of these a lot of the politics now amongst black people in a way. Something something I think too though, and I think this is what's going to be really interesting. I think everything you're saying is absolutely true, but I also think with that saturation point, uh, they've left themselves open to um, a lot of backlash. And I think this is one of those things we don't realize how over that moment is because we're still in it. Like I think it's I think it's been quite yeah. over since like 2000, 2001 and we just haven't fully seen it yet like the full effect and i think moments like this like someone asked earlier why did tiffany cross get so much pushback this time compared to how often they said this stuff the past you know couple of election cycles you know like people like people feel something different like you know yeah a lot I mean, of people push back on this on this thing in a way that uh they did not push back before and i just noticed in general 
people are and part of it is uh, i think a legit um backlash and part of it i think is a bad backlash like for example there's that anti-crt stuff which is pretty much bad faith and a bunch of racists who want to just you know keep keep um things racist and everything but i think mixed yeah. in with that there's there's a lot of people who are just like regular salt of the earth black people who are or even like women not... who are just kind of sick you know yeah uh, like... i don't think it's yeah go ahead no i was just gonna uh, yeah like like uh, a lot of just regular everyday black people or, or who people who just they might vote democrat but like there's like all that all that performative stuff that was kind of popular in in 2014, because you know Ferguson was such a watershed event that, in retrospect, that I, I you know that that happened, and I and I think you know you look at 2020 with the George Floyd protest, you know a lot of that stuff really came to the forefront again. But you know, it's, and and like you said, but after after like all the stuff came out about like BLM and a lot of you know shady <laughs> stuff going on, and the house and they had the houses, yeah, and- the houses and how they were up there parading on YouTube like. Like uh, you know, having like, a champagne toast in the, yeah. in front of the mansion. Yeah, in front of the mansion. George Floyd stuff. money. Yeah. Right. Very yeah. And it's just, cake. Right, and it's just and it's just like, but you know, and obviously, like the media is largely liberal too. I, I would say most of media is is liberal in terms of that. Like I think a lot of this stuff, you know, people want to project a certain type of image, and they're slow to criticize or slow to engage something differently. So I think that's where a lot of this is when it's when you talk about like. How they like to talk about black women and how they like to just take up the inter- intersectionality as a framework. And I, and I listened to your thing with, and I read some of Patrick D. Anderson stuff talking about intersectionality and how there's a lot of interest convergence with it too. So it's a, it's very palatable. I know you were talking about how you know black men are kind of harder to be palatable. I think something like like a Crenshaw or just or you know whatever version they're doing of what Crenshaw was going for, it's just more palatable, especially to like white liberals or white women. Like it's not it's not as hard to just get behind and i think and i think the the ferguson stuff kind of really drove it up you know to, to a certain point to, to where we are now here's something i find interesting right now we we see all this backlash uh to a lot of the great awakening you know among the right and among like the centrist and the apolitical but i think low-key even a lot of white liberals are kind of sick of this stuff they're like uh hey i just want to go back to regular Democrat stuff. I'm tired of talking about um, trans kids. I'm tired of talking about um, black uh, black people's obscure problems. Not yeah, I think every day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Salt yeah, of the yeah, 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 yeah. Not not the big picture stuff, but like you know the kind of obscure uh, black issues or, or whatever, and all this stuff. And the reason why I kind of say that is because. Um, look how touchable. Nobody, nobody wants to. Black... Nobody wants to talk about abolishing the family no more, dogs. I'm sorry. A, a, a no, family? no. Nobody wants. Nobody abolishing wants to the, abolishing the family. Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, that's not. That's not. That, yeah, that's not where people are. Yeah, yeah. Because cause look how touchable Black Lives Matter is now. Like, it used to be yeah. tough to get any yeah. cov- negative coverage of Black Lives Matter to break through. So, like, why is New York Magazine running articles now? Like, this guy, uh, Shalom. Shaloma, Sh- Sh- I forget what his name is. Uh, um, the the third Bowers, the third person who was on the BLM tax returns. Uh, there were three people. Yeah, new like, guy. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically got up with ten million dollars himself. Uh this just came out last month. And they were running it in all these, you know, mainstream newspapers that oh, he's yeah. being super taking ten million. I'm like there was accusations against BLM for like years. Years. And and and, and no mainstream publications would run it. Uh, one a full third of the local chapters um did an open letter and did a secession complaining that um they didn't know where the money was going. Nobody covered it. Only the right wing would cover it. Uh, at one point, like two third, two thirds of the local chapters seceded. Was it, nobody they were covered open it. Revolt, they were just, yeah. yeah, they were open revolt. Nobody covered it. And then the only the right wing would cover it. And then people would just say, "Oh, the right wing is lying," even though it's yeah an open an, an open letter. So now all of a sudden, all these white liberals are okay. New York Magazine is okay. Uh, Morgan Jerkins uh, commissioned that piece by New York Magazine. Um, you know, to yeah. uh, about BLM, and it's like, okay, why is Morgan Jerkins? Oh, com- buddy, commissioning I had, this? I, had uh, I had a conversation with Morgan Jerkins, not just about um, uh, BLM, but also about uh, black journalists who are like signing on to this whole narrative that Americans have to, uh, black Americans have to back uh, Ukrainians uh, in their, <laughs> their <moral targets. laughs> yeah. I had like a, I had like an hour and a half conversation with Morgan Jerkins about that. Oh, sure. oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I'm, well, good, I, good, good, yeah. good, good for her. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I think. I mean, like I said, I think a lot of it's tapered off too. I mean, like you got to figure the height of the 2020 protests was all leading up, unfortunately, to the 2020 election. And I mean, Joe Biden is Joe Biden. You know, you know, Jim Crow Joe, and he won. And I just think all that stuff is done now. Like we, like remember, Joe Biden was accused of sexual assault and in going into his own primary, and people. Kind of turning that off. I mean, what people kind of like Stacey Abrams turned like, you know, Stacey Abrams, like Tarana Burke, some of like, you know, some of, you know, the biggest, you know, Me Too advocates kind of like, you know, we're ready to shut it down. And it's like, I just think like ever since then, it's like been on a slow, slow, slow slide on the left. Where it's like you're not really doing all those I things feel anymore. Like- I feel like even Joe Biden was a statement of we're over it because I feel like yeah. they could have gone with someone like Elizabeth Warren who was clearly going to let that type of um, woke person have free reign because she was hiring them left and right. And Joe Biden yeah. is like as old school, old school Democrat as you can get. Like those type of people have yeah, no like traction. Warren, in his Warren said she was going. Warren said she was going to name, do a name of all the trans kids murdered or something like that at one point in, at the White House. She said stuff like that. Oh yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And she filled her camp just full of social justice influencers, <laughs> left and left and right, and and they all everyone went for Joe Biden instead. And I think that was like another sign that you know even among uh, Democrats, uh, stuff is this stuff is losing ground. Yeah. So I think that's I think yeah. that's why I, but, I don't want to say it's gonna be a conservative turn in terms of. Because conservative is not always the same thing as Republican. Like, like you know, right. some people right. can be conservative, but they'll never vote Republican in a million years. Like, like a lot of right. black people are conservative, but they're firmly Democrat. And I think there's going to be a conservative turn. It won't necessarily be a Republican turn. And I think that's the mistake they're making in this analysis, to think that um, everybody who turns their back on the current 
uh, progressiveness necessarily is planning to vote um, Republican. They might just retreat into the local elections and local politics or yeah. just and, set up politics altogether. You know what I mean? And, and I think it just hasn't reached a lot of the, the punditry class and, and a certain class of, of you know, influencers and stuff that that's kind of what, what's kind of happening on front, in front of a lot of people's eyes. Like that stuff isn't having the same or, pop as it once used to. You or, know? or maybe it has reached their ears but this is the only trick they have. like if you only have one tool in your toolbox even if it's not working as well what are you going to do if you haven't if you haven't developed yeah. a second tool you're just going to keep yeah keep i mean like you said you've been tea. they've been using they've been using this version of intersectionality and, and in their version of intersectionality they just do additive stuff so they don't really have a yeah. they don't have a more nuanced way of talking about this kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah, yeah, patriarchy is exactly. why black men vote or something like that. You so, know? so, so I, I think they actually do kind of see that the, the jig is kind of up, but they don't have any other tool in the toolbox. But they're just trying to do more of it. Or, or I think that there's kind of a desperation happening precisely because they're kind of sensing they're right. Maybe they're maybe they're in the denial stage or the bargaining stage. You know, you know the, the stages of grief. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not acceptance yet, but the cycling between anger. Denial yeah, yeah, and you. bargaining, and, and bargaining. Yeah. That's what I think they're doing. They're doing. They're doing right now, and yeah, and they're uh, going to accept it, or they're going to be forced to uh, accept it, one way or the other. Yeah. Last thing, uh, I just wanted to say. I, I know you got a long queue, man. Uh, I just wanted to say. Uh, I I do feel like one. Of, I did see um, the Woman King uh, with Viola Davis. I ended up watching it just to see. Um, I know there was a lot going on about it. Um, I ended up watching it. It kind of is like that type of jargon though like the way this kind of stuff is now like a lot of it is the way they they contextualize a lot of stuff i don't know if you like i'm a true like you said this is media masochist i i had no interest in seeing it but i i ended up seeing it and i i don't know if no, you here, here's the thing so like I, I happen to be i happen to be like a um a historian myself right and and i am an africanist i've actually been putting off watching this movie because i know how much it's gonna piss me off uh, so what I've been, no, I've been getting like a slow trickle of like, like I think people know how much it's going to make me upset. So I've been getting a slow trickle of people saying, Hey, have you watched it yet? Oh, I'm really interested to know what you think about like this aspect of the movie. I'm really interested to know what you think of like, uh, the fact that like, uh, they portrayed like black men as wanting to continue the slave trade and black women as wanted to end Yeah, that, like, that's, that's just where I'm at. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh. God, I'm like damn, that's man. that's like straight out of the current liberal paradigm. It's like, yeah, yeah. you would this would be the framework that you wow. that the go that, that I that's basically I what they do. That's what they do. It's like if you watch it, it's like, so oh yeah, she that's wants to so end. Bullshit. She wants to end the slave trade. All of the goji they want to. Oh, yeah, they're they're thinking about this like like that. And the king is like, no, we got to do it. And it, it's that something like that. True. That it's is just, not true. That is it's not so true not true. At all. That is not it's, true at all. The but, ending. But, the but, ending. But, I'm not gonna give it away. I'm not gonna give it away. But the ending is just like that. Definitely didn't happen towards the towards this time in history. Like I ain't gonna say what it is, but towards the end, you just be like, here's that just blatantly didn't happen. That Harriet. That Harriet movie made me upset. <laughs> I ain't like Bigelow. You ain't like Bigelow. No, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> again, like I, I, as a historian, when people take liberties with this kind of stuff, it does a lot of damage. That makes me so upset. Hey. And the reason I'm hey. avoiding watching this movie is because I know there's a lot. I'm sorry, but like a lot of, I hate to say this, it's not just like um, black research liberals. It's not just black Americans. A lot of black people, period, do not know about the history of the uh, slave trade, with the triangle no. of the slave trade. They don't know the names of the players. They say, like, oh, you know, Africans sold Africans into slavery. To which I say, okay, which ones? 
Was it the Fon? Right. Was it the UA? Was it the Fonte? Was it the Ashante? Which ones are you talking about? No, 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 Fonte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but they, but they, but they, they, they don't, they can't name individual nations. Right. They say Africans. Right. It's like, well, you're, you're already fucking up because they didn't think of themselves as Africans. They were different nations. It's like saying, they were different nations. Oh, Africans. Yeah, you're, yeah Europeans Af- were, at, were with Europeans during the 16th century. Okay, which ones? It doesn't clarify anything. Right, right. So when right, people right. see this kind of stuff, they just accept it on, on its face value that that's how things really happen. And I've been yeah. avoiding watching this movie because I know how angry it's going to make it. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's, it's definitely got a lot going on. All I'll say is I'm not holding it to, you know, people accuse you, oh, you're holding it to a different standard than the Patriot or something like that. Or And I'm like, actually, it's more to me. I, and I tweeted this. I said, it's yeah. more like the Patriot than you think, actually, in many, but, but, many but, ways. But, but something, something else that I hate when they do is when the Patriot came out, a bunch of people complain about how historically inaccurate. Like people just lie and claim that a double standard ha- happened. It didn't happen. Like right, the yeah. Patriot, no, the Patriot, all, for, the Patriot got a lot of criticism. That's the thing. Yeah, got a ton of criticism. Like ton of criticism. Make up, people just make up this thing where people were just like the Patriot came out and everyone was like, "Oh, Patriot, we love this movie. It's the best." Like, like no, everyone yeah. bashed no, the movie. Pe- it there was, were people. It was who, almost a yeah, they style. called it racist then. The, the, the rate of yeah. maroons were portrayed and everything. All that stuff is is well documented. You can find writings mm. of how people felt about the Patriot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was, and it wasn't like obscure stuff. Like it was a yeah. open discourse. It was not free. Yeah, it just you, you know, just didn't have discourse. social media. You didn't have form of the social yeah, media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the, really the difference. <laughs> no, no, but, but honestly, even, honestly, even if there was social media, these people would just lie and say that it was it, it, it didn't happen anyway because they have an agenda. They want to support this movie. Yeah. So people act like people we, act like the Green Book didn't have like a firestorm behind it. Some a firestorm to some stuff that was exaggerated about what was untrue actually to some degree about the guy in the in the friendship. Like I remember that was a whole firestorm. So like stuff, and that was you know with the white guy, it was you know about how that was, you know, so people, the, the same people who are defending this would have criticized the Green Book. So it's like, come on, it's not, it's not unique for this film, this type of film to get criticized for its historical inaccuracy. That's Hollywood. I, I want to add one quick thing. Spike yeah. Lee, Spike Lee wrote um, a str- uh, open letter when the Patriot came out uh, bashing it. Then the open letter made made the news. Like, it was, yep. it was, like yep. I want to make clear, it was not an obscure, like, say, like a a Black Panther or something, so, or some some kind of um, or something, yeah, you know, r- radical. It was it was it was right. Spike Spike fucking Lee, right? Yeah. So that's all I had oh. to say, man. Like I said, I know you got a long queue. I just want to throw that oh, in there. Okay. I just want to throw that tidbit. I saw it and I, I like I gotta I gotta download this onto somebody and, and, I, and I found no no perfect place in media massacres, you know. So oh yeah yeah, yeah man yeah, yeah. appreciate it yeah, y'all, I, y'all y'all have a good one. <laughs> you too. I appreciate that masochism of watching that movie. It's uh yeah very much in the spirit of the show. Uh, hey, Robert. Um, feel free to unmute. There we go. How's it going, Robert? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound very clear. Okay, yeah. No, well, I think it's actually a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about because, you know, I agree with pretty much everything that people have been talking about. But one thing I disagree with is, you know, the idea that, you know, people are starting to wake up or people are pushing back more. And I, I think and the problem with that is mostly that I think it's always – I think one of two things. One, that it's always been there. It's always been kind of like simmering in the background and it's mostly a question of how much in control the people in power have over it. But also, I think people generally aren't waking up in the sense that I don't think a lot of people's attitudes are changing as much as people think they are or want them to be. I, I, feel, I feel like I fall into this trap too, but I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the backlash I feel like we're feeling is just people 
getting tired of the situation and upset at their own situation rather than kind of seeing the world for more of the way it is. I'm not so sure to seeing the world for how it is. I'm very sure whatever dominant paradigm will replace this one is going to be probably equally looted in its own way. For example, I think a lot of reactionary uh, thought is coming in to fill the vacuum, for example, which is problematic in its own right. It's not so much that I think there's a grasping of the truth. I just think people are just sick of these particular people, um, whether for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, whether it's for good faith reasons or bad faith reasons. Like I think the culture war is going to morph into something else and there'll be a new set of bad faith actors that we have to get out of the uh the paint to fill okay. fill the vacuum but but okay, i, I yeah. want to make sure even that, that i'm being clear even though i think people are getting fed up with these people i'm not predicting some kind of um rise in better yeah, consciousness yeah, okay, I understand. yeah i, I mean yeah. that's that's generally what my view of the situation is but you know i, I there's a lot of people i think uh, one of the things i you know every like few months you see the conversation of like oh like you know let's do it spontaneous universal strike or something like that and, and people will be like well what will they do if, if we all go on strike and the answer i mean it, it's really dark but the answer is they'll just shoot you you know just look at it pick up a history book and whenever large groups of people go on strike you know in the 1800s the 1900s you know if it got too out of hand the government would just shoot people but yeah, I, yeah. I, in in general, you know, when it comes to people, like I agree. Tiffany, yeah, when it comes to people like Tiffany Cross, I think I don't even get like angry at this stuff anymore. It, I I just see it. Most people don't watch news, and if they do watch news, it's because they don't care. Because if they cared enough, they would be reading books, they'd be watching documentaries. They're not looking for a three, a one minute, two minute, three minute news segment talking about this. And this is the conversation that we've people have been having for a very long time. You know, I mean, while well, I'm talking about like people waking up it's been simmering for a very long time you know you, we have you know george floyd we have you know 2000 you know the 2003 iraq invasion you know we have countless number of historical events you know strikes in the past or labor movements or anti-war movements but yeah and i, I think people should be looking I, I think the way i see this just really quickly is i think this is mm -hmm. just another thing that's causing people to be divided rather than trying to form like organizations it's just you know splitting splitting hairs splitting groups making people upset yeah i think a problem too is that like you said that you know uh, if everyone did a strike they would just shoot everybody but i think now they're so savvy with psyops and propaganda and communications and influence that i don't think they even have to really reach the point of shooting people anymore they'll find a way to co-opt it you know, with well, their yeah, own I don't think they would people. have to because yeah. I think people yeah. are subdued enough that it would never happen. But in the situation that it did happen, they would just would instantly, maybe not like, like, like they wouldn't just like instantly hit the button. But if they saw that they couldn't use the traditional means, they they absolutely would without hesitation. Oh, totally. But I I, I think even before they get there, like say the people weren't subdued, like you had moments like after the Ferguson uprising where people were just mobilized and angry or the George Floyd thing. And after the smoke clears each time, you don't know how it happened, but somehow 
the energy of the Ferguson uprising became uh, Oscars for black people and Oscars for white. And that's like the victory lap. How did this this happen? Or the George Floyd thing became three houses for Black Lives Matter. They're toasting in front. It's like, wait, how, at what point did the energy get diverted to Black Lives Matter instead of the people in in the street? And that's what's kind of scary. You don't even know exactly when it happened, when things were infiltrated yeah, or yeah I, I would agree but, with you trevor yeah. i think there's like probably like 10 or 20 things that they could do before we would ever get to that type of situation but when it comes to like you know people were mobilized for black lives matter but they weren't organized yeah exactly and in the sense they were just doing whatever they felt like doing for the most part you know they saw it on the news or social media or something like that most people aren't on the news most people maybe like you know maybe they dabble with it but they're not like actively watching news or actively on social media it's just a, a general move and that's i mean that's the problem right you know you get all this energy and that's what i mean when like attitudes aren't changing like people's people see what's wrong they can perceive what's wrong and they might perceive things as getting better but in terms of their attitudes changing i don't really see it happening because fully agree you know people will talk about like joining organizations and they're talking about like you know like the dsa and, and that's just kind of sad <laughs> Because there's a lot of problems, they don't get anything done anyway. But yeah, I totally agree. That's why, like, I'm happy at the idea, the perspective, downfall of these people. But I, there is a part of me that dreads what comes to fill uh, the vacuum, you know, and and what's going to be, you know, like like my personal feeling is going to be a lot of uh, Christopher Rufo's and Candace Owen types uh, that are going to have to be kind of gotten out of the paint next because. They're gonna be the ones to benefit the most off a lot of this anti um, woke stuff, or, or 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 pick your poison. There's there's a lot of shitty people waiting in the wings to rise to prominence. It's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, Robert, thanks so much. We just wanna get away through the queue. We're gonna end it with jamming. So um, hey, yeah, um, thanks. No no problem. Thank you. Please, nobody come up after uh, jamming. If you do come up with the jamming, uh, we're not going to reach you. So I don't want don't want you to sit there anticipating and then realize you don't get called on. So hey, hey, Trevon, how's it going? Feel free to unmute. Bottom right. Oh, oh there we go. Cool. Unmute. Un- there we go. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing great. Um, thank you for the show tonight. I'm uh. Yeah, this whole topic, um, it just continues to fuel my cynicism. <laughs> like, because I just, like, with the Tiffany Cross situation, it was just amazing to see her evolution from uh, Twitter, from when she was on guest appearances, and then the whole thing blew up about how she was basically not getting anything out of it as compared to her, you know, her colleagues or what have you who also do the guest appearances to now she's carrying water for the machine for her own show. It's just all in like three years. It's it's really crazy. It was just seeing that in real time. It's just like, we're literally setting up a gatekeeper. I was like, this is amazing. Like, do we not see like we're, we're setting up someone who's clearly going to do something exactly like this. And, Seeing her like kind of put this out there just to jab the black men and then bringing in the guy who was the consultant for the Woman King film to, you know, defend the alternate history of the film. It was just, 
yeah, it really, it really hit me. It was just like, man, I can't, I like to feel disappointed in a good way, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, not sure it's, 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 not sure what you mean to say disappointed in a good way. Like, you know, like I'm, <laughs> my cynicism isn't like, it just doesn't turn out exactly how I feel it's going to be in this cynical way. Like, surprising in a good way like oh you know just someone like doesn't become another cog like an obvious play to be a part of the machine or somehow i don't know like use that position into some random network-esque way to subvert it like but that's too fantastical just i just rather just be in a good way disappointed if you know what i mean now I, I would I would say that to be perfectly honest, like I, I kind of think that that's uh, that's just all the pitfalls of black people expecting to have like um, our history, our points of view, uh, the diversity of our own culture represented through like mainstream white led media. Like I think I think the sale of uh, BET to Viacom should have been a wake up call a long time ago, but if that wasn't it, mm-hmm. I think we're we, we're kind of getting it now. Is that we yeah. have to we have to create and support our own media structures because trying to have our our, our voices heard, uh, our views represented, and then the diversity within our communities uh, recognized, and to know that there's such a, a vast um, array of differences between different types of Black people, uh, politically, socially, etc. None of that gets explored. We all like our you know these these uh, gatekeepers and democratic cheerleaders are so fond of saying. Blackness is not a monolith, and yet they treat it exactly like it is. Like, T, remember remember how much we used to talk about, like, um, when we would see, like, these old videos on PBS, and you'd see, like, different uh, types of, like, uh, black politi- like politically-minded black people having debates and even arguments with each other? You just don't see that now. T, you there? My fault. Yeah, no, I, that's, it's so true. Like you don't you don't see it anymore. But uh, people, if they, a lot of people in the um, media class, if someone that didn't agree with them showed up to the debate, they would like cry bloody murder. Like you know, like like if if Tiffany Cross showed up to some panel and Tariq Nasheed was there, she would you know oh, yeah. consider it a failing. <laughs> she, 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 she would consider it a failing yeah. to have. Someone she doesn't like uh, there, but people who just imagine like a, imagine like a Francis Cress Welsing. Show oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. These people feel entitled to an echo chamber twenty four seven, and it's what makes the discourse so freaking horrible. Everything's just, just giant boosterism. All, all you guys like a, a panel of D Ray, um, Jamil Lemieux, and Tiffany Cross, and um, maybe. Maybe at most you get Greg Carr. Maybe at most you get Greg Carr from from Howard. Maybe, maybe that's the most radical you'll yeah. get. You know. You want to know something? You want to know something funny though? I feel like uh, I feel like DeRay is de-wokeifying. Because, yeah, I've been here. People he have follow, been claiming follows, that. No, he follows me on Twitter, right? And I, I've noticed the kind of tweets of mine that he likes and that he retweets. And I've noticed that, that the more cynic, yeah, the more cynical and shit posting my take, and the more I kind of like twist the knife on these black liberals, it tends to be the, those are the ones that he ends up, uh, those are the ones he ends up boosting. Mm, interesting. 
think the well's yeah, dry. Yeah, sure where it comes from. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll reach out to him one day and talk about this. But I'm, but I I've actually wanted to ask him. And if you were to say like, "Hey, oh, D-Ray, like, why did you retweet this one in particular?" <laughs> so I noticed that like when I when I when I go after the black liberals, those tend to be the ones that uh, those tend to be the ones that he boosts. Mm, I wonder if he's gotten disillusioned with them. That'd be that'd be interesting. You should, you know what? Yeah. We should invite him to the. I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking. You, we should invite him on. I mean, I mean, maybe he has me blocked for a long time, but maybe, maybe bygones would be bygones. You, know, you never know. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Let's invite him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Trayvon, thanks so much. I just want to um, move on to close it out because it's been over two hours. I just want to get through. But uh, yeah, I appreciate your call and uh, you know, f- look forward to talking to you again. Um, okay, um, Colonel um, Gaddafi and Jamin, if both of you can you know, keep your points under a minute, that would be great. So feel free to unmute and uh, see what you're going to say. I want to uh, go off the crass point now that I've gotten my smart point earlier out. What what Q was saying about like the whole soy thing, I think I realized what was going on. I was hearing all these things, and I realized something: the real danger that a lot of these like black liberal like sort of like sheepdogs are realizing very very, I don't know, slow or fast, but at some pace, I think they're realizing that the real reason they're failing at being sheepdogs now is that. I have a very simple theory of what I like to call the Wayne Brady doctrine, which is that black people will tolerate corny, but not soy. You get what I'm saying here, Q? Or Trevor? <laughs> like, we will tolerate corny, we will not tolerate soy. Like, that's why Wayne Brady is still good, because black, Wayne so Brady true. is self-aware. Wayne Brady went on Will's, Aisha Tyler's Will's show Smith, and cussed out a uh, fucking um, uh, Bill Maher. For Bill Maher. Yeah, Will Will Smith Will Smith in the nineties is a good example too. Yeah, like Will Smith is corny, but Will tolerate because again, if everyone remembers between Bad Boys One and Two, which if you're wondering why the tone of Bad Boys One and Two is so different, uh, it's because uh, Michael Bay only wrote the second one, which is why it comes off like a fucking Call of Duty game at the beginning. Yeah, and also why the motherfuckers dual wielding the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> but I digress. You see what I'm saying here? Do we all follow what I'm trying to say here? That they're realizing they can't, they're losing their effectiveness because they're getting to have to make the guys they put, or black people put it, basically the guys they put in front of the camera so soy just to not piss off the benefactors that are platforming them that they're ineffective. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying here? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I do kind of uh, feel that way. But do you think it's just um, a black thing or just uh, men in general, the, the whole kind of... Um, no, no, no. I think it is. I think it's more becoming more pronounced with black people because here's the thing I realized with white people with their them. They have an idea of nuance because they can be afforded it. With black people, the reason why it's going more and more and more and more towards soy is because you could never really do a show like Jack Ryan with a black man, even though they've been trying to do without remorse with Michael B. Jordan, which Michael I'm just Jordan, like yeah. and I'm just like, fuck you, fuck you, this doesn't work. Fuck you, fuck I this is something who grew up reading Tom Clancy books. This doesn't make any sense. Are you telling me no, there's an international I, no, terrorist I'll, I'll group that you. went after one random black baby seal? Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Have you noticed how like uh, people are just getting really sick of Atlanta? Like Atlanta went from like 
being a uh, like a cultural touchstone to everyone now being like, oh god, another season of this shit. Like, what, what are they gonna do now? <laughs> oh no, the last and, season and is now they're it's, ending. It's... They're ending. They're ending on a good note because they're realizing that they're not gonna overstay their welcome. That's what I give yeah. respect to them. But I think the thing you're realizing now with Atlanta and all these I, other things, I kind of no, I kind of feel like it went, it went, it became soy. To be perfectly honest, no, no, no. It's not even just that. The reason why I say black people will tolerate corny and not soy is because here's the thing and this is why i think i think we'll all agree on some level but the thing about corny is you can still put some level of like what we would call traditional masculinity within it like case in point sydney poitier <laughs> like you, like, sydney, you, like you could put some sort of like gravitas of like Benjamin Siskel from Star Trek, since you were bitching about like Discovery early. That is why I will always love James Avery for that role, even though he was on Captains and he was like clearly high as shit. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If anyone I, I heard, wants to I, go no, out there, no, no, no. I that... did. I did hear. I, I did hear about that. That he, that he, he was uh, off his ass on something. Um, no, no, he was just high he, on weed. I know. I know. Nigga, he's high. He had wraparound sunglasses, a smile the whole time. He high as shit. <laughs> Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Interesting. You're talking about like uh, you know black people being sorry. Like uh, there was this old. Um, also, no action star movies. Action movie stars. Yeah. No black action movie stars. Notice that too. Wesley Snipes still fifty in his mid fifties could still kick everyone here's ass. Maybe not cues, but boy. <laughs> There was a, there was a um, what, what was it called? Tom Swift. It was an old series of books. It was like a. Blue-eyed, blonde-haired, um, white and white inventor, and then they somebody told me tonight that they debuted on CW a rebooted Tom Swift. And I was like, why are you gonna reboot something as uh, old-fashioned and corny as Tom a uh, Tom Swift? Like, like nobody reads Tom Swift novels, you know? They, they, oh no, was... that goes to another part of the point I've been trying to was trying to get to, which I, I realized this, and I and I realized at the most weird time of uh, just quick peek into my weird family tree i have cousins who due to one relative fucking a half chinese half jamaican woman because he's a traveling musician and her having kids with like a half australian scottish dude they have kids who are like pale but blood red hair and i realized this last time i saw them what they're failing at is they're also feel like failing at trying to like translate the like old western canon into the black community and it's starting to show and i realized that talking to their kids i kept making references to so much black culture stuff and their kids didn't know shit and i kind of clacked it up to okay you were raised in the uk big fucking deal but then i started referencing black stuff in the uk and nothing <laughs> granted they were okay. raised in glasgow but still <laughs> I have no idea what to do with the Tom Swift point I was going to make. The point is I'm trying to say is there's so there's so much cultural like bleed that it's getting to the point where like there you can't really translate stuff anymore and it's starting to show with these sort of stuff like Tom Swift it's starting to show you can't really translate anymore and oh, one of the oh, bigger... oh, 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 wait 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 do you know what the new Tom Swift is? Let me guess black people and they're probably like the same color as the barge aren't they? Well, well, um, the the new Tom Swift they apparently rebooted him as a as a black gay male billionaire, and uh. I was like at that point, I was like at that point, like why even call it uh Tom Swift? I don't even understand uh what what that's what that's about. But okay, that goes that, that kind of goes. I I I see where you're going with this, and that 
and that kind of goes to my final point. I was just gonna get off so you can get to jamming. The thing is, is yeah, the, the point I was trying to make, just to clarify, the second point I was trying to make is they're having trouble being sheepdogs because they also can't really like translate the Western canon of like stories and history and all these things into black culture very easily. Like if anyone remembers for anyone who's my age back when HBO used to have those like ethnic uh, read and makes of like children's cartoons, but they were really well written, really well and well animated on HBO family. If anyone remembers that at all, they can't really do that as much with stories anymore because not just because of all the like identity politics stuff, but it's not relevant. It just isn't culturally relevant because of how much time has passed between then and now. So it's like, it's getting harder and harder and harder to like reuse these things. You see what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I just don't know if, um, the answer, which is to just make everything, um, that's what I'm saying. They're showing, that's where it's showing. Yeah. That's yeah, where yeah, saying. I, that's that's the sign that it's starting to deteriorate that they can't translate it over is because they're realizing, oh shit, we're getting to a point where all the old stories that we used to try and like sell everybody on some level with some half-assed translation is becoming less and less relevant. Like I think one of the biggest signs for me, you were all talking about the Patriot. I'll just leave off with this. They did a remake, I don't remember how many years ago, but it was really fucking recent. But it was a remake of Robin Hood with, I guess, Jamie Foxx playing Little John, which I'm like, I, I believe oh, it. Yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. like he yeah. whooped somebody's ass. So, okay, I, I believe it. But they had it where, like, it, it, it looked kind of like Antifies, where basically it was like, it was basically like, imagine the movie Shooter, but it was in medieval times. It was like that kind of shit. And it was like, it went nowhere, but it was a good concept and you notice that just has been kind of getting crushed out more and more and more but they're also noting marvel can't really be used as like a buffer cultural buffer zone to like keep guys from wanting to be like not soy but not like based you, you see they're starting to lose no they they, no they they tried to do it with uh taryn edgerton robin hood and yeah jamie fox is still gone it, it, it's just like, but, but but you see what I'm saying here? They're losing buffers. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's not that. It's that they have no more stories to tell. So it's like they think that uh, stories like Robin Hood are not going to resonate with today's audience. So rather than tell new stories or even find like interesting stories from, uh, like for example, like somebody could uh, make a movie out of the Haitian Revolution. Somebody could make a movie oh, out of oh, uh, oh. The, uh, the story. Somebody can make a movie out of the story of Askia Muhammad or out of uh, uh, the story of Sanjata, but they're not going to do that. They're going to just keep trying to remake these old, like, European and American classics and then race bend them out of recognition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and like, um, or, or, or like queer bend them or gender bend them, like, like this black gay Tom Swift, which I think is so pointless. Anybody old enough to remember Tom Swift is not going to tune into this and anybody young enough to care about, you know, this has no idea what Tom Swift is. So why not just make him a new character? Like it just makes no point, no sense to me to pay a licensing fee for something that is not going to please anybody. Um, I moved on from um, Colonel Kodafi just so we could finish this out. And I want to let SO in the queue know that um, Jammin is the last person in the queue. So we're not going to get to you. So uh, I just want, want to let you, I want to let you know that in case you're waiting in the queue expecting to 
be able to speak. So feel free to just listen to the rest of the show or, you know, call in next time uh, to speak to us. But Jammin, yeah, feel free to uh, take the final point. All right. Um, we're going to end on a happy one. I heard uh, the the man earlier talk about uh, getting to the end and them realizing we're revolting and just shooting us in the head or protesting. So I'm going to show why the black community, Negro community shouldn't be voting and they should be doing what me and my partners have done. Uh, we're starting, it, it's called, we're called ERA um, for acronym Economic Renewal Alliance. Uh, starting out here in Washington state, we, um, <clears throat> what we're going to do is take a small community, um, have it dem democratically uh, pick one thing. You know, pick one thing that all, t let's say, 20 houses can agree on. Um, so they get together, come to call in two weeks later and say, hey, we, we all talked about it. We decided we want a swimming pool for the kids. It'll keep them busy in the summer. It'll help us out. So we as ERA show that community how to fundraise, how to um, uh, um, or donations, uh exempt not exempt donations but uh collect collect tax exempt donations excuse me from local businesses um we hire a local negro or disenfranchised part of the community to do all the labor um we go out or or and we we raise we show them how to raise 50 grand to build this swimming pool so we buy the labor uh from a disenfranchised community we um we buy locally from like lows put into the economy uh local economy helping that boost that dollar and then um we everyone starts working on or the contractor starts working on the swimming pool so the swimming pool gets built the community's happy not only does um you know that they got a swimming pool but also they're happier in the community because now because they came together and decided on a common goal that will help them all you're building blocks for community now johnny can go to sarah's house and ask for that cup of cup of sugar like they used to we used to do in my in back in the day in my age so you built the community up so now you do that in that everyone's happy the community's happy it's better all around and their kids are happy so we move on to the next one right so do the next one and the next one eventually the government's gonna see whoa man these people are making money the communities are getting better the billionaires at the top are still making money since they always have money this is a win-win for everyone you know so um instead of thinking negatively we need to be out here thinking of solutions, not talking about people, not talking about negative situations. We need to be thinking about solution. And definitely when it comes to black excellence, let's expose it. Um, eventually, the government will uh, see the the equity and the and that everyone's happy. They'll monopolize it like they did with the breakfast, you know, the bref breakfast for uh, children breakfast program the Panthers started they monopolized it while taking full advantage of that amazing work original organization and um, 
But, and now they still got that program. They've made billions. And instead of that, you know, we can pump it back into the communities and keep it rolling. Uh, again, look for the name, Economic Renewal Alliance. And all you. That's a great positive note to end it on. Thanks so much. Um, so, like I said, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to reach you tonight. We've gone like well, way over time. But uh, thanks for joining us. Same for everyone else. I forgot to give the usual spiel about people watching anonymously. Um, on the desktop, there's like over 60 people watching without logging in. Uh, in the future, please log in and, you know, under the account because it really helps our metrics and helps us with the powers that be as far as showing the value of the show for whatever reason. If you're on the desktop watching anonymously, I don't know why it was set up like that, but um, we don't get the full credit for that view. So, uh, yeah, it costs nothing to create a, an account. And, yeah, consider creating an account, you know, after we're done tonight so that next time, you know, you can watch from logged in. Also, we're going to do another show um, tomorrow night about uh the Ime Udoku situ situation. So that that should be fun. Uh I think it's gonna be around like nine PM or so. So definitely come come by for that. Be a little more lighthearted than than uh this show. But yeah, we're gonna talk about the Celtics uh situation. So yeah, thanks everybody. Appreciate y'all. If you're not a follower of um the people of the panel or the people who've spoken or, you know, the show itself. If you just come come in here randomly and you have not followed the show already, consider following um all of us. That helps create a community around here, which is great. And yeah, uh join join us again soon. Join us again tomorrow even. All right. No, yeah, everybody... join, join, join us tomorrow so we can talk about how I shamed Jamal Bowman into admitting he's married. <laughs> you know you know what's funny you know what's funny with that is i don't even think he was trying to um thirst trap or shoot his shot i think in his misguided way he thought he was pandering to women voters and it just blew up in his face it's so funny yeah, yeah you know, it was it was a really it was a really goofy kind of like corny way of um you know, pandering to scorned black women, but unfortunately, man, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, because, there's a say because a couple of weeks earlier, I don't know if we shared this or I showed it to you, but he tweeted on the day that She Hulk debuted about how great She Hulk is. I'm like, okay, this guy is crazy. He just wants, <laughs> he just wants yeah. the women to know he's an ally any way possible. But yeah, so. He's he, he he needs to get his Twitter taken away from him for his own good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody, uh, have a good night. Uh, take it easy. Night. Peace.